0: Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's The Song of Ice and Fire, and then express our dissatisfaction with the irrelevant hogwash of an adaptation that somehow manages to poison everything, which, by the way, we will not be discussing during the course of this episode.
1: This is where a Book Snob is a good thing.
0: On today's episode, Julia and I will not be discussing the show at all. Finally! Yay! Because in a few short months, we're going to have our fill and some. And, like, frankly, we're just not prepared and can't even, so.
1: Let's not talk about it. No. And you'll also be relieved to know that we will not be talking about Dorn much. We'll we'll do our Uh, best. We're trying here. (laughs) So instead, Kylie and I wanted to devote an hour and of it, to Cersei, one of uh, Martin's most misunderstood characters, we think, or at least in the fandom.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I'd say so. And then also definitely one of the most rewarding, at least in mm-hmm. our opinion. Um, so we're going to be spending this podcast just talking all about her character and the themes in her chapters and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, okay. So we're going to start off with a very high-level summary of her <laughs> life. We're so good at summaries.
0: We promise this one is high-level.
1: Yes, because I while all her uh all of her viewpoint chapters are in A Feast for Crows except for Two and a Dance with Dragons uh she has some pretty backgroundy stuff that's pretty important that we have to note.
0: right like you know for example she is Tywin Lannister's daughter
1: yeah Tywin Lannister and his his first cousin Joanna who he was kind of into apparently and she yeah. has a twin brother Jamie you might have heard of him
0: yeah I don't know and and they've been you know obviously Everyone knows about the twin cest, but, uh, mm. from what, from what we know, that was something that was starting out very early. She, uh, she notes, like, that time they got caught playing together and they were almost separated. Yeah, and Jamie talks
1: about how, like, they used to watch animals and try it out, and he says that it was innocent until it wasn't. And things like that. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, her mom died, uh, an early death because, uh, she, she died in childbirth with Tyrion. Mm. That's when the twins are, like, nine, right? Yes, exactly. And so for that reason, uh or part of the reason Cersei's also just kind of not a good person. Uh she <laughs> she really hates Tyrion. She blames him for her mother's death. Um she also I mean, she's she's a a messed up child. Like we she she's she's, you know, quite abusive to Tyrion, in fact. Yeah, she's um, quite an entitled little rich kid. <laughs> yeah, she's abusive to Tyrion, she's uh, abusive to Maggie the Fr well, we'll get there. Um
1: Yeah, and so early on I think um not long afterwards, I think her mother's death. Her father tells her that she's going to marry Rhaegar Targaryen, the the heir to the throne. He's kind of like, "This is our little secret. You're going to be queen one day." And she takes this kind of very
0: very to heart. Yeah, and I mean, this is obviously what every single little girl is conditioned to want in the same mm-hmm. way Sansa wanted Joffrey in a in a Game of Thrones. Um, so she she goes to visit Maggie the Frog. You know about the Valonqar.
1: No, no, no it's, uh, it's important to say when this happened because it's during a, a tourney where, when the king and Rhaegar were both there, and it was a tourney at uh, Castle Rock. Yes. And her uh, aunt told her beforehand that this was this at the leaving feast, her betrothal to Rhaegar is going to be announced, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then she goes to, to see Maggie the Frog.
0: Right. So that's why she was asking, you know, how many uh, kids will the prince and I have? Because mm-hmm. she was just assuming she was going to marry Rhaegar, and obviously we'll be talking about the the prophecy a bit more in depth um mm-hmm. but she you know that was also the whole thing her friend melara heatherspoon went with her and it's strongly uh implied that she pushed melara down a well because she was because into she,
1: jamie because
0: she was into jamie and she didn't like that melara had a crush on her
1: yeah well it was also because she also knows the deep dark secret of the prophecy too i guess yeah yeah the she feels that. that the whole being into jamie was
0: kind of important too it was definitely both i mean cersei yeah. cersei Cer- 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 certainly didn't want anyone to have anything on her and like we said she was not a very
1: nice person ever yeah and uh, what happened uh also at that feast like 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 right after the maggie the frog incident i think is mm-hmm. that uh the whole patrol thing fell through like tywin suggested it to aries
0: and he was like no that's cute aries
1: but no, uh that's cute timing but no
0: it, didn't he say that like you don't marry the servants or something.
1: Yeah, you said that.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> the Targaryens were kind of snobby, Uh and yeah, Cersei took this really badly. But yeah. it it seems like her father was still kind of hoping that it would happen eventually because she once she goes to court with him soon afterwards because he's the hand of the king mm-hmm. this time and like
0: I think Tywin was hoping that Elia would die or something and then she could swoop in there. She and it's just a good idea to bring a mm-hmm. young promising daughter, quote unquote, to court. You know yeah. that's. What you do? Um, so then she didn't want to go to court without Jamie. So she convinced Jamie to join the King's Guard.
1: Well, she, yeah, she convinced Jamie and then she convinced Ares somehow. And people have all sorts of really stupid theories, but I think Varys did it.
0: <laughs> it could have been. And also like Ares, this is punking Tywin in a mm-hmm. you know, it, it yeah. behooved Ares. It was, it was like a little joke, honestly. Taking his heir away from him. Yeah.
1: He wouldn't like that.
0: Um, so yeah, so you know, years go by, obviously, um Robert's rebellion happens, uh you know, Rhaegar dies, Elia dies. She becomes queen because mm-hmm. she's married to Robert. That's, you know, the highest ascension that you could have anyone in her social position. Mm-hmm. Uh and on their wedding night, Robert drunkenly calls her Liana. Yeah. Um so was this she his si- dead
1: not girlfriend.
0: <laughs> yeah. So she cites that as being uh the moment things went to shit for her. in in her view is at least the moment yeah. she was like okay
1: yeah well she she seems to think that she was hopeful at some point that this marriage thing could work out
0: yeah she at least thought he was vaguely attractive yeah Uh even if his hair was too bristly compared to Jamie's or well whatever. it
1: went it went to shit pretty quickly because it, like within the first year of their marriage is when they went to Greenstone right yeah and yeah Jamie called it green shit <laughs> which is what I put in our notes um, but. Yeah, so so what happened there was that uh, she figured out that he was having an affair with one of his cousins who lived in the castle, but Robert was, and so she had Jamie follow him to confirm it. And he came back and said, yep, Cersei, your, your husband's cheating on you. And mm-hmm. she's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fuck my brother. And so then she did. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's uh, when she thinks Joffrey was conceived th- that night. Yeah like
0: yeah. like one does and and um yeah because she because she was so dissatisfied with robert and mm-hmm. she certainly uh at least thought of herself as in love with jamie i think for her part she was yeah. um she she controlled the conditions of her pregnancy so she only had jamie's children um she, yeah, she was pregnant
1: with uh, uh robert's child at one point and she had an abortion
0: hmm. she did and then uh otherwise she would mostly try to get him off in other ways without sex yeah. so that there was no risk of consummation um the risk she was of actually conception. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> there was obviously consummation. Yes. Uh so then all of her children, of course, were Jamie's. Uh and then throughout the years, you know, we're, we're going to talk into this a lot more specifically. She had a very bad relationship with Robert. Mm-hmm. There was continued abuse. There was neglect. He was certainly a neglectful father. Then she was raising her kids, and she's just, you know,
1: yeah, not it's kind not of like the best mom. Politically, their relationship was kind of like. Because Robert was very, very influenced, very easily influenced. So like, she would just kind of yell at him and then he would do whatever she wanted just to get her off his back. And it was just not very, Yeah. wasn't a very constructive marriage in that regard either. They were no Fernando and Isabel.
0: No, I mean, I guess it was a good alliance for the realm in a way, mm-hmm. but it was on paper and that's kind of the whole point. <laughs> just yep. that in, then so, in practice.
1: Yeah. So that takes us basically to a Game of Thrones or like right. the lead up to a Game of Thrones where Jon Arryn, who's the Hand of the King starts to suspect something, or Stannis starts to suspect something, but, or,
0: I don't, they Stannis do, and John Aaron team up, right? They do team up. I yeah. forget who was the first person to suspect something, yeah. but. Varys probably whispered in somebody's ear. <laughs> Varys did it. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, I mean, it's kind of conducive no, I to mean, school, right? I
0: mean, yeah, the whole thing is he wants to destabilize the realm, so. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, but as as soon as uh Ned comes
0: to King's Landing, he starts to figure it out. Right, like you guys know the events of Game of Thrones yeah. and, uh, Ned of course, there's also th- all the stuff that goes down with, you know, when Ned comes to King's Landing, that's when, y- you know, Cersei orchestrates the, the murder of Robert because yeah. I think she realizes her, her time is quite limited for how long she's gonna... Yeah, she has to kill Robert before Ned figures it out. Exactly. And then Ned like approaches her about it because he's honorable too. Uh, so... I to kill them. Sorry, I broke the cardinal rule. Oh okay. my god. <laughs> going to kill you.
1: And so after Robert dies, so you're like while while he's dying, basically, um, Cersei orchestrates a coup. Mm-hmm. Because of course Robert intended for Ned to be the regent for Joffrey. And Ned was kind of orchestrating a coup of his own because he knew that Joffrey wasn't the legitimate heir. Right. So there are these kind of coups going on together buttonheads. Ned's was bad. <laughs> well it was yeah, it was it was based on like he, well, he trusted Littlefinger, and, and you yeah. don't trust Littlefinger. Um, so, basically, uh, Cersei neutralizes the threat from Ned. She impr- she imprisons him. Well, she doesn't, well, you know, Rob is still out there. But she imprisons Ned, and mm-hmm. she's regent, officially. And then everything goes to shit because Joffrey's an asshole, and he kills Ned.
0: Yeah. Oh, and she had Sansa prisoner, too. That was, yeah, rather, that was, important. That was rather
1: important as well, as a hostage. Yeah, uh,
0: jo- Joffrey just went... A little bit rogue, cause he's power hungry and awful, and just, in, just, he's awful. So yeah, he killed Ned, and then that, that kind of blew up all that, and that's of course the, you know. Yeah. The, well, the War of Five Kings was always, already kind of going on.
1: Yeah, well, like, probably, you know, it could, it probably could have been contained. Yeah. If Joffrey wasn't could, a complete shit.
0: Or settled, like something. Yeah. It I really could have been. It seems to be the consensus
1: in the fandom that Littlefinger was manipulating Joffrey. Sure. Or Varys. Who
0: knows? Why not? Well, no,
1: Varys wanted to delay things because... Um, oh, right, because he wasn't his, ready. His
0: boy not ready. Right, they wanted to keep juggling. I mean, it's possible that Littlefinger was manipulating him. It's also possible that Joffrey's just a horrible asshole. They're and... not mutually exclusive.
1: Yeah. So then, basically, that brings us to A Clash of Kings. Uh, Tywin sees what Cersei's up to for afar, and for various reasons that kind of intersect between sexism and having a reasonable point. He's like, she's a disaster. So he sends Tyrion to King's Landing to be acting hand the kid, king instead.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Ned was executed on her watch. That's kind of a, a yeah. big fuck up. <laughs> okay. Um,
1: you know, they don't, they're not exclusive, mutually exclusive. They intersect. Um, right. and so during a clash of kings, Tyrion and Cersei are constantly butting heads because she's do, he's doing absolutely everything he can to keep her out of the loop. And she's mm-hmm. desperately trying to stay into the loop, despite the fact that she basically gave him all the power. Yeah, her entire focus is basically on rescuing Jaime, who is a prisoner now. Yes. And her kind of entire war plan is very focused on protecting King's Landing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then she and Tyrion are kind of deck-waving also. Yeah. In that he's, like, he's trying to shut her out, and he he has... He takes Tommen at one point, right? Yeah, he, he takes Tommen like, hostage. He sends uh Marcella off to Dorne, so then she tries to get one up on him, and she, like figures out, well, she thinks she found the uh sex worker he was sleeping with, but she found the wrong one. And Tyrion's just like, well, that sucks for you. <laughs> and then um, the Battle of the Blackwater
1: happens, and she doesn't die, which she's probably quite happy about at the time. But then everything changes for her because her father is there. Yes.
0: And that, of course, leads into a Storm of Swords.
1: Yeah. So Tywin's primary concern is to get rid of her and marry her off. And her primary concern is for that to not happen. Right. Uh, she, she doesn't want it again in any way, shape, and, yeah, or form. Yeah, and she's kind of desperately doing absolutely everything she can, but just, she cannot stand up to Tywin at all. She's just completely helpless against it, basically.
0: Yeah, and he also is a bit of a sex assassin, so. <laughs> a bit. Okay. <laughs> just a little. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, Joffrey dies. Yeah, yeah, the purple wedding happens mm-hmm. at the very end of, or at the, what, like, thir- three quarters, maybe through. Him. Mm-hmm. A storm of swords. And she's absolutely um, convinced that Tyrion did it. Yeah. Well, Joffrey's death kind of evokes this mm-hmm. uh, prophecy that she had otherwise forgotten and she starts thinking about it again and feeling as if the events are starting to come true. So yeah, she's hell bent on assuming it's, it's, it's Tyrion. And we see her, we see her a bit through Jamie's eyes uh, at the end mm-hmm. of a storm of swords, but things kind of go to shit with their relationship once he's back.
1: Yeah, because he rapes her. Um. Anyway, yeah.
0: well, she doesn't think it is.
1: Did we forget the trigger warnings?
0: <laughs> we did forget the trigger warnings. We were talking about Cersei, um, and that's going to include a lot of discussion about rape, um, and just sexism in general, and mm-hmm. you know, she's also, some uh, torture. She yeah. does that. Mm-hmm. Just all of, all of
1: the regulatory warnings, basically. I mean, I think. Yeah, sorry about that. Oh. Uh, yeah, if you. <sighs> I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine having discussion on this topic without at least a rape trigger warning. So it's kind of all over the place in this story. Yeah.
0: But what I, I do say in, in a storm of swords, yeah, like Jamie does rape her, but the, the reason mm-hmm. their relationships falling apart is more that he kind of is changing both internally and externally, and he's on a divergent path from her and that yeah. she spurns him. Um, well, it's, that was actually a summary. Yeah, that actually was. <laughs> so proud of myself. <laughs> it wasn't too bad, right? But that brings yeah. us, that brings us nicely into where her point of view chapters begin.
1: So a feast for crows is basically her second attempt at a regency, but this time there's no, there's no, uh, really there's no one to stop her. Tywin is dead.
0: Tywin's dead. There's no Tyrion. There's, um, mm-hmm. so she can just, you know, appoint her, she, she appoints like a brand new small council. Uh, yeah, she fires everybody, like the entire coalition that her father had carefully built up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then, like, like Tywin had made certain—I don't know if they were like outright promises, but you know, it was intimidated that Mace Tyrell would be able to serve, or, or um, what? No, it was Garen, right? Gareth the Gross was promised Master of Coin. Yeah, yeah, he, Garwin the Gross. Gar, who's the who's the Gross Tyrell? I don't remember his name. <laughs> It doesn't matter. Gareth? I, don't... I think it's Gareth. It's the uncle. Um, He he, yeah. he had been promised like Master of Coin and then Cersei just on a whim was like, no! Well, how could you possibly think that? It's gonna be... Who did she do? Ros- yeah. Rosby? Yeah, Giles Rosby. Yeah.
1: One of Arian's potential suitors. (laughs) (laughs) How long do I take, how long do it take before you mention Arian? Oh, 17 minutes and 20 seconds.
0: (laughs) Okay. It's just hilarious because the guy's like 85 and perpetually coughing up blood, so. (laughs) It's hilarious. He's got a terminal illness. (laughs) It's It's him and Walter Frey. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so she she appoints him master of coin because she's just like he's really rich, so he must be good with
1: money. That was her you logic. Yeah, t- she had Paris um,
0: Swift as the hand of the king, and then she replaces him later on with Orton Merriweather because mm-hmm. nepotism, and she's with Tyena. uh I think the only one who was the same is Picel right? And that that was like kind of a non-negotiable. Yeah, because he's a grandmaster. Uh, but she
1: he, she can't get rid of him, and she can't get rid of Jamie, so she just he, makes him. Leave she camp.
0: appoints rain Waters in charge of the ships because he's hot. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she's not. He vaguely looks like Rhaegar. <laughs> and then Kyburn, she makes Master of Whispers. Um, which was probably the best decision she made. Yeah, actually, he's like, good at that. Yeah, he's he's not bad at his job at all. He's quite insightful, actually.
1: Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> um, so there's this, this there's this wonderful scene where he tells her like all the important things that are happening in the world like with considerable insight and she's just like i don't need to know any of this shit you're boring <laughs> right. he's like like telling her the entire plot of the novel basically
0: <laughs> <laughs> so she like so, she, she, so yeah feast for Fr- crow's mercy when she's in power it's just she appoints these just horribly unqualified people hot and then ignores the like some reasonable advice she gets um Mm-hmm. She, and, and, and like she, she was trying to offer Kevin a position, uh, her uncle, and he, he gave her reasonable advice for how to deal with the Tyrells and how to deal with any mm-hmm. of this, and she just wouldn't listen to it because she thought it gave Reachmen too much power, and he's like, okay.
1: Yeah, and she, and then she was, just, she became convinced that he was like bought by the Tyrells or whatever.
0: Yeah, so, so she, she But he was being kind of a sexist pig too, so. Yeah, yeah. but he is also misogynistic, and yes. he's just too busy trying to be Tywin to really- Care. Uh, so she's, she's definitely paranoid about the Tyrells, um, because when Tyrion was let free from the jail, someone, hint, hint, Varus, planted a, 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 Reach <laughs> Varys did a it. gold coin that was from the Reach, that like, yeah. only a Reachman would have. So she was convinced that, you know, there's some grand Tyrion conspiracy. So she's paranoid about- but Tyrion is- plotting with absolutely everybody like literally everybody. Right. And and so- and by the way the the prophecy that like she had when she was a little kid part of that prophecy is that the little brother will kill her. So she's very mm-hmm. she really thinks Tyrion's going to pop out at any second and like choke the life out of her and kill her kids cuz uh, that's the other part of the prophecy. Is her kids are going to die. Mm-hmm. Um and then at the same time she's also paranoid about Marjorie because the prophecy told her there would be a younger more beautiful queen that would cast her down and take everything she holds dear. And who's the young beautiful queen that she sees as the threat? It's Marjorie. Yeah. And it's uh she obviously projects a whole lot
1: onto her. Do you want me to read the text of the prophecy? Uh or should we say that? Yeah, read the text. All right. So this is from A Feast for Crows. Three questions may you ask,' the crone said, once she had had her drink of Circe's blood. "'You will not like my answers. Ask or be gone with you.' "'When will I wed the prince?' she asked. "'Never. You will wed the king.' Beneath her golden curls, the girl's face wrinkled up in punishment—in for, for, puzzlement. Sorry. For years after, she had took those words to mean that she would not marry Rhaegar until after his father Ares had died. "'I will be queen, though,' asked the younger her. "'Aye,' Malice gleamed in Maggie's yellow eyes. "'Queen you shall be.' "'until there comes another, younger and more beautiful, "'to cast you down and take all you hold, dear.' "'Anger flashed across the child's face. "'If she tries, I will have my brother kill her. "'Even then she would not stop, willful child as she was. "'Still she had one more question to her, "'one more glimpse into her life to come. "'Will the king and I have children?' she asked. "'Oh, aye. Six and ten for him, and three for you.' "'That made no sense to Cersei. "'Her thumb was frowning where she'd cut it, "'and her blood was dripping on the carpet.' "'How can that be?' she wanted to ask, but she was done with her questions. "'The old woman was not done with her, however. "'Gold shall be their crowns, and gold their shrouds,' she said. "'And when your tears have drowned you, the Valonkar shall wrap his hands around your pale white throat "'and choke the life from you.' "'What is a Valonkar? Some monster?' "'The golden girl did not th- like that foretelling. "'You're a liar, and a warty frog, and a smelly old savage, I don't believe a word of what you say. "'Come away, Malara. She's not worth hearing.'
0: And it it's uh, worth noting that she later found out from her Septa Septa Sarinella, that the word is mm-hmm. High Valerian for little brother. And the reason I say that is because Septa Sarinella ranks number 4 on the definitive ranking <laughs> of Septas. Cuz she's obviously a bookish nerd. Obviously. I mean she's too busy reading to notice that <laughs> Cersei was fucking her brother. So. Um but yeah, no, that, sorry. That's that's the prophecy and, and that's um what she's paranoid That's about. That's why she's paranoid about Marjorie. Right. And, uh, you know, if anyone's read- She manages to convince herself that Marjorie is the younger,
1: beautiful, more beautiful queen that Maggie mentioned. Right. And the
0: whole thing, she asks Kybern, is it possible to forestall a prophecy? And he's like, oh, of course it is. And, uh, you know, so she then poetically fulfills it, cause it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, cause it's the only yeah. kind of prophecy there is. Like, like honestly, <laughs> one thing, we should have maybe mentioned this off the bat, we're not going to be getting into who is the younger, more beautiful queen discussions, because in our opinion, that's an irrelevant discussion. Um, yeah, absolutely. the whole point of this prophecy is not that there's the word of God, and then it's just going to play out how it's going to play out. It's very much that human action matters. So everything, everything she did to forestall the prophecy ended up being what she got like arrested on. <laughs> and, yeah. it, and it created conditions that allowed the prophecy to be fulfilled. Like, who is the okay. Valencar? Well, there is a brother that she is happening to be pissing off more and more who has a golden hand. Like,
1: yeah, like if she hadn't ever heard the prophecy, none of this would have happened, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: So, so, read your Oedipus, and mm-hmm. we're not going to be talking about Get that. Get out of our inboxes with your crazy theories. Okay.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, then uh we can talk about her fiscal irresponsibility in A Feast for pros, <laughs> Yeah, she's, she's, um, she's just a bad role. <laughs> Well, because this is like Robert slash Littlefinger's fault. That they bank the up the realm? Yeah. Everybody money. They owe, uh, they owe the Lannisters money, which she could, like, pay off or cancel because she's the head of House Lannister now, but whatever. <laughs> and they, they own the faith money. <laughs> and they, but most importantly of all, or, yeah, the faith is pretty important too, but most importantly of all, they own the Iron Bank of Bravos money. And the Iron Bank of Bravos has this reputation for being quite, like, loan sharky. When you don't pay them back, and by a loan sharky is that they will invade, they will arrange for you to be overthrown.
0: And you know, it just so happens there are a few people still vying for this throne mm-hmm. that aren't, <laughs> who is- could probably use some money. Yeah, like maybe Stannis. I don't know. Just mm-hmm. spitballing. Yeah. Um. So, but she decides to instead just blow off the Iron Bank and say, "We don't have the money now, sorry."
1: Yeah, which creates financial chaos because uh the Iron Bank cancels everybody's loans. Everybody in Westeros.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a problem. And then, and it, this is made worse by the fact that Cersei, like, spends money on some vanity projects. Like, she just builds a grand fleet. It, mm-hmm. it, it's a, Of Drummond's. Of Drummond's, because... For her boyfriend. Yeah, because she thinks her rainwaters is hot. <laughs> <laughs> and because one of them's going to be named the Sweet Cersei, so...
1: Yeah, and one of them is going to be made Lord Tywin, and she wants to hear her father referred to as she... <laughs>
0: She's such an asshole. Um, she does get the faith to forgive the debt, and that's kind of a big thing. She gets the faith for, to forgive the debt and to, um, bless Tommen in exchange. Yeah, and to stop with the whole, like, popularist movement thing. Right, in exchange for arming them. Uh, and mm-hmm. it was the High Sparrows kind of suggestion that this was a trade-off. So it was a very good short-term solution, but obviously arming religious zealots is not. A great yeah. long-term I'm not sure
1: how great of a short-term solution. Like, yeah, I mean. It was a it, short-term solution. It solved solution. the problem that she was, yeah, it was a short-term solution, but I'm not sure if it was the only one that No, of course not. But, yeah. It was definitely not a good long-term solution because no. now she has arm zealots that even Targaryens with dragons had trouble getting rid of. So. Yeah. yeah.
0: There's a reason Megar's laws existed, you know? <laughs> so. uh-huh. Uh, and then. What should we talk about next? Should we
1: talk about her girlfriend? Uh, yeah, about Dana Mary Well, no. First, we should talk about the less pleasant aspects of her reign. Oh, okay. And how she um, she's just an awful person. I mean, but Burn, who is her master of whispers, is also like an amateur torture enthusiast or something, and an amateur mad scientist. Mm-hmm. So, um, she basically feeds that addiction by giving him. Bodies of people who are still alive to play with. At
0: first, it starts out with people who have, you know, "quote unquote" committed wrongs against her. Like there, there are these puppeteers that had a puppet mm-hmm. show that seemed to be pro Targaryen, or whatever, or anti Lannister yeah. at the least. So she just gives the puppeteers over. Then there was a, a, a there was a, a a maid of hers that she was told was spying on her for Marjorie. So she gives Senel over to Kyburn. Maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. Right. And then there's just this one lady, um, what's her face? Uh, Stokeworth. Yeah, Felice. Felice Stokeworth. Who she- Well, cause she tries to get her, Felice
1: and her husband to kill Braun, who's married Lala Stokeworth, who's Felice's younger sister. Yeah. And she doesn't like Braun because he was in cahoots with Tyrion at one point. She's just- so she's just like, so hint, hint, kill Braun. But then they fuck it up because they're both morons. Uh, and she basically like the husband dies in the attempt to kill Bronn basically and then the
0: wife comes running to her for help mm-hmm. yeah and just because it's inconvenient for Cersei to deal with she gives the wife to Kyburn yeah which is like really 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 disturbing um then she also does like a bunch of weird shit to get Tyrion like she she's so she has to send the the skull of the mountain down to Dorne cuz they're really pissed off that Oberyn died with this mountain viper mm-hmm. duel uh, so she sends the skull down with Balon Swan, but then she gives Balon Swan Balon secret- Swan's a knight of the king Guard. Yeah, sorry, but then she gives Balon Swan secret instructions to kill Prince Tristan.
1: Yeah, like the- 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 there's 13-year-old. like this whole ambush in the forest, and like when Rosella and Prince Tristain and Doran were all- were like going to come back to King's Landing. Like they were going to attack the party and kill Prince Tristan, so that Doran wouldn't like Tyrion anymore because because there would the attackers be were half going to
0: be yeah the attackers were going to be like half man half man. And it's this a very be- well thought out. Pla- like it's so
1: badly thought out that there's a large section of the fandom that thinks Doran made it up because he's a Superman villain. So
0: <laughs> it's a terrible plan. I don't it's know who this would convinced.
1: Like yeah, let's let's kill my daughter's BFF in front of her. <laughs>
0: Like first of all, who does that? <laughs> and also, she she sees. I think it's Kevin who says you see uh, Tyrion in every shadow, mm-hmm. and he's not wrong. But she's suddenly convinced he's in Dorne, even though yeah. there's no indication.
1: Oh, well, to be fair, Tyrion was like, "I should go to Dorne" at one point.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> when mean, when he was like drunk, he thought it idly for five seconds. It's not the worst thought in the world, but she has no mm-hmm. evidence on which you should be killing this yeah. guy. Oh, uh, and then um. She wants, she really, really, really wants Marjorie arrested, and the best way, the easiest way she can think of to arrest her is to have her to commit high treason. She's married to Tommen, but it's an unconsummated marriage because Tommen's an yeah. eight-year-old. So, uh, yeah, if you can prove she's
1: not a virgin in any way, then she committed treason, right?
0: Right, because they're married. Uh, so she, she first sends people to seduce Marjorie, but it doesn't work. Um, probably because the kettleblacks have stupid big noses or something. Uh, <laughs> but, then she decides to sleep with one of the Kettle Blacks. Who are the Kettle Blacks? Oh, they're just these shitty knights. And she makes one of them a Kingsguard, right? Or two yeah. of them? Yeah, they're, even... they're just these like
1: like the, these three brothers who are hedge knights, and somehow they like got into Cersei's good favor like way back in a, in a Clash of Kings. And she just keeps promoting them. Like, one of them gets promoted to the King's Guard. One of them gets uh made the master of the City Watch or the yeah. Lord Commander of the City Watch. And one of them is and Sworn Shield, right? Right. But unfortunately, they're all working for Littlefinger. <laughs> like, rather obviously. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so- and they're all just, like, completely unremarkable, too. Like yeah. Just these greasy assholes. They're just these assholes, yeah. <laughs> they're these greasy assholes that she just keeps sleeping with to get them to do yeah. stuff this. She, she only wants.
1: sleeps... Two out of three of them, right? She doesn't sleep with the middle
0: one. Yeah, she does not sleep with the um Osford. City City Watch one. She sleeps with the yeah. other two. She sleeps with Osni and um uh, Osni. They all have the same fucking <laughs> name. Osmond? Osfred and Osni. Yeah, she sleeps with Osmond and Osni. Yes,
1: but not Osfred.
0: <laughs> but she she sleeps with Osni, he's the youngest. And she's yeah. like, okay fuck me but here's what you're gonna do you're gonna go to the high sparrow and just say that you've fucked marjorie instead mm-hmm. and don't worry i'll see to it that you're sent to the wall instead of executed or whatever and he's like oh this sounds great <laughs> great plan <laughs> <laughs> this is wonderful um no but he takes he takes
1: the opportunity to like like it's kind of abundantly clear that he like he has the upper hand in this negotiation because she's just so ham-fisted with her use of sex. Yeah. But, yeah, so, whatever.
0: So she, like, com- compels him to give false testimony. He ends up tortured because of it. She also... Because it's, he's so happy to be giving
1: this false testimony
0: that the High Sparrow is like, um,
1: why are you so happy about committing a capital crime? Yeah. I should torture you and find out the truth. So that's what he does. Also,
0: Cersei suspects that Marjorie was fucking a bard just because... Mm. Marjorie liked his playing, so the bluebird. So she gives the bluebird to Kybird, and they torture him all night until he admits that he was fucking Marjorie. Which, amazingly, he he does break down and admit it after an hour of torture, after like hours of torture.
1: Well, he obviously wasn't a real man then.
0: Christ. Um. So yeah, she's (sighs) she does really bad shit. Mm Like when we say we like her as a character, we definitely mean it's a literary character. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> and then finally we've got her girlfriend to talk about, Tanya Merriweather. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, there's so many conspira- like, there's so many theories about, oh, is she secretly a Tyrell lackey? Maybe she might just be ambitious and she saw that she mm-hmm. could get in good with her- like, I don't really think that's the point. Well, she's
1: definitely up to something, yeah. but it could be as simple as that. It could be as simple as that, or it could be as complicated that she's some kind of, like, Tyrell Martel-Ferrus triple agent, or something, like, that's kind of within the, like, data set too. Yeah, I mean, contradict by anything, so.
0: Sh- shockingly, when we go to analyze this stuff, we're not really looking at, like, oh, it's a Scooby-Doo mystery and what, yeah. what would be the coolest? Like, we, we don't really care. All we, all we can do is say Taina's effect on Cersei and yeah. that Cersei was very drawn to this woman.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of, it's kind of really obvious that she shouldn't trust her.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't see who would trust her. It's, it's, Taina's attempts to suck up and gain favor are pretty transparent. Mm-hmm. Even even if it is just because she wants to gain favor. Um You don't want to surround yourself with people like that. <laughs> no, you really get the opinion that she is not completely earnest in everything she's saying, right? Yeah.
1: Uh
0: but the thing is she compliments Cersei a lot. And Cersei really likes to be complimented. Um and also, you know, <sighs> a few yes. months ago Julie and I took a closer read at this and yeah. if you, if you just focus on these chapters and and on a few different reads there really is a rather queer narrative that runs through this for Cersei and there does seem to be legitimate attraction um in a in a way that we we see her think of Taina in a very similar light to how she might think of Iran or the people that she legitimately wants to fuck um she's too much of a misogynist i think to ever Allow herself to, because because the the sex that she has with Tayna is incredibly heteronormative, and it's very much about <laughs> reclaiming. I mean, it's it's her reclaiming her abuse. It's her acting By abusing at, somebody. Yeah, it's her acting out her abuse with Robert. It's it's not supposed to be this. You know, wonderful lesbian love scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's there for a very clear purpose. Um, and, and Cersei's definitely too much of a misogynist, I think, to allow herself to consider genuine attracted, attraction to another woman.
1: Yeah. She, she just kind of denigrates Tain all the time. She calls her like a whore and. She, yeah. Just like,
0: i she's totally in love with me and I'm manipulating her. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. She, she think, she looks down on her pretty much, but mm-hmm. if, if you do read it, you'll see the way she talks about her, the way she feels when she's around Taina. It's very... She's very, like, I don't know how to say it, like, tuned into Taina's, like, physicality. Like, she thinks about her a lot, and it's just, uh... I think there is a very legitimate narrative for Cersei being repressed in this way. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, just an element of something, and it's another twinge of her internalized misogyny, so... Which we'll get into, but yeah, that, that's... The, <laughs> that her root? <laughs> Her internalized misogyny is her root. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shut up! <laughs> Julia's, is, of course, talking about the wonderful, but I'm a cheerleader movie. Everyone should watch that movie. It's got gay Prince Zuko. It does, it does. Um, but yeah, no, that that that's that's basically Stewie's a feast for kozark and and the ins mm-hmm. and outs of that. Um, you know, when we get into this analysis, I think the first thing I know I want to address is that a lot of people, we didn't get her point of view for those first three books, right? Mm-hmm. And then when a lot of people read this point of view, and this is a very, very common reaction in the fandom, people say that Martin ruined her character.
1: She kind of dominates A Feast for Crows. She has 10 viewpoint chapters, which is way more than anybody else.
0: Yeah, the the next closest is Brienne with seven. So
1: do we think that Martin basically changed her characterization for A Feast for Crows, turned her into, like a more balanced antagonist into a cartoonish villain. What do we think of that, Kylie?
0: Right. Yeah. Everyone, everyone loves using the phrase cartoonish villain with her, don't they? Me Um, too. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, we think it's a bunch of bullshit. We kind of do. Yeah. With all due respect, it's a bunch of malarkey. If I can quote the great Joe (laughs) Biden. Um, no, I mean, if, if you go back and you read Game of Thrones, the, the scenes where she's in, certainly if you read A Clash of Kings, read her interactions mm-hmm. with Sansa.
1: Well, cause like, um, this is probably won't come as a shock to anyone who's even perused our blog for, or any, either of our blogs for more than 10 minutes, but, uh, we think that kind of the defining element of Cersei is her internalized misogyny. So, if we go by just that,
0: no, he definitely did not change her character. <laughs> And you know, a lot of it's difficult because we, we most closely see Cersei through Tyrion's eyes and Tyrion's a misogynist and thinks of her in very specific ways. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it takes a while when, when you're reading these close POVs, like Mar- Martin talks about, you know, unreliable narrators, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to understand the lenses that all these people have and, and people act, Oh, Sansa's the unreliable narrator. Because Martin said he that was, one thing. He happened to use her as an example. He happened to use her <laughs> as an example, and then people don't realize. Oh, Tyrion projects all this shit onto people, and then he mm-hmm. like puffs him up with these. Ra- he puffs himself up with these rationalizations. Like you don't understand how. It's, it's
1: not just Tyrion either. It's no, everybody.
0: No. no, it's it's definitely everyone. But what we're saying is, th- there's strong bias, and and seeing Cersei through Tyrion's eyes is not going to really get. The best idea of it, but no, no C- Cersei has been Cersei for a, a very very long time. Um, yeah.
1: so we compiled a couple of examples from <laughs> the earlier books. That the first one, kind of, this is probably my favorite one because it's kind of an iconic scene, and it's quite early on in A Game of Thrones. And dad has figured out the whole twincest thing. So he decides, basically, he knows that when Robert finds out, he's going to go ballistic and kill everybody, basically. So he decides, because he's not an asshole, he's going to warn Cersei and give her a chance to run away. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to read? Oh, okay, you can read. Oh.
0: Must. She put her hand on his good leg, just above the knee. A true man does what he will, not what he must. Her fingers brush lightly against his thigh, the gentlest of promises. The realm needs a strong hand. Joffre will not come of age for years. No one wants war again, least of all me. Her hand touched his face, his hair. If friends can turn to enemies, enemies can become friends. Your wife is a thousand leagues away, and my brother has fled. Be kind to me, Ned. I swear to you, you shall never regret it. Did you make the same offer to John Aaron? She slapped him. I shall wear that as a badge of honor, Ned said dryly. Honor, she spat. How dare you play the noble lord with me? What do you take me for? You've a bastard of your own. I've seen him. Who was the mother, I wonder? Some Dornish peasant you raped while her whole fast burned? A whore? Was it the grieving sister, the Lady Shar? She threw herself into the sea, I'm told. What was that? For the brother you slew or for the child you stole? Tell me, my honorable lord Eddard, how are you any different from Robert or me or Jamie?
1: That was really good, but I'm not going to do voices. <laughs> so it's just reading, dude. <laughs> So the next the next scene that we like to use, an example of her internalized misogyny early in the series, is uh after Ned is injured and Robert and her are like well, she's berating Ned and Robert is like, yo, dude, it's cool and she starts getting pissed off at Robert for being so lenient with Ned. And I don't know, she says something. And then what? Robert starts off. I think she says like, How dare you do this? Like, you know, he killed, or he attacked my brother, blah, 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 blah. And then he implies that... Oh, yeah. She yeah. implies something about Robert. And, and Robert's face was dark with anger. How many times must I tell you to hold your tongue, woman? Cersei's face was a studying contempt. What a jape the gods have made of us two, she said. all rights, you ought to be in skirts, and me in mail. Purple with rage, the king latched out. A vicious backhand blow to the side of the head. She stumbled against the table and fell hard. Yet Cersei Lannister did not cry out.
0: Yeah, and we, we see a lot of this, you know, we, we see her express the desire that like, I shouldn't have been, you know, born a woman. Um, mm-hmm. there's another quote where I think, was this a Clash of Kings?
1: Yeah, it's Clash of Kings and she's talking to Tyrion, Tyrion. And Tyrion is, this is basically Tyrion has completely undermined her. I think this is when they were talking about how he's going to send Marcella to Doran. Yeah. And she's just like really frustrated by how helpless she is in this situation.
0: Yeah, so, it's just, Cersei sniffed. I should have been born a man. I would have no need of any of you then. None of this would have been allowed to happen. How could Jamie let himself be captured by that boy? And father, I trusted in him, fool that I was. But where is he now that he's wanted? What is he doing? Okay, and then,
1: uh, in a storm of sorts, this is after, this is after Jamie comes back. And, uh, without a sword hand, and she's already starting to be all like, ambivalent, more ambivalent towards him because, you know, he's he's gone through this huge trauma and he's changed and she doesn't like the changes that he has and basically he comes up uh, she goes up to his bedroom and tries to tries to seduce him into uh, talking their father into not marrying her off yeah and he basically like says no I can't do that I don't have any influence over father anymore blah 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 but basically he, he says no and she starts doesn't to him. Really him
0: doesn't she also want him to kill Tyrion
1: she wants him to kill Tyrion yeah
0: she, I mean I don't she, know. she's not being soups reasonable here. No. But Jamie rejects her advances and he also just rejects his advances because he feels weird having sex in the White Tower. Which yeah. is his little King's Guard hideout. Um <laughs> So yeah, he goes, You'd best go, Cersei, so you're making me angry. Oh, an angry cripple, how terrifying, she laughed. A pity Lord Tywin never had a son. I could have been the heir he wanted, but I locked the cock. And speaking of such, Tuck yours away, brother. It looks rather sad and small hanging from your breeches like that. <laughs> Oh, how do people <laughs> ship them? They're like, oh, they have such a cute relationship. I'm like, okay, okay. Do people say that? I don't know. I mean, the idea that this isn't completely mutually d- damaging and, and just mm-hmm. toxic. And I say mutually, like a lot of people are like, oh, that evil bitch Cersei. If only Jamie hadn't fallen into that. And it's like, he fucking raped her. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. Their relationship's fucked up. That's the point. Oh, so yeah, there, she has this whole
1: pattern that kind of like you tell you know how bad it is in a Feast for crows because you're in her brain. But she's always she's always had this resentment about being a woman. She's always like kind of it's not that she's like you know outraged on behalf of women because women are marginalized. No, no, no. It's she that-
0: she she literally thinks that she has a warrior's heart but the quote unquote feeble body of a woman. She just
1: yeah she hates because women women, women
0: are stupid. They're and all weak.
1: sluts and. <laughs> you know, and they're weak and she's not like that. So she should
0: have been a man, not a woman. There's like one point where she's thinking about the septas after she's imprisoned and she's like, mm-hmm. oh, they're all crying out for good raping. <laughs> like,
1: okay. Seriously. Yeah, no, that, that was like before, like when when the septa comes in oh, that and, is, yeah. and she's like, yeah, she's like, Oh like all these uh septas are being raped because the crown isn't doing its duty oh, right and protecting the faith and she's just like oh well these septas why are they complaining they're probably like praying for a raping.
0: Yeah, so she thinks that was her she reaction thinks about to about septa actually she thinks about septa maiden heads a lot because she was thinking about it again when the septa came to be like yo Marjorie doesn't have a maiden head. Mm-hmm. And she's like thinking about it, and like
1: how her uh, that Decepti- the the like, is an old lady, so she thinks about how her maiden head must be like leathery or something. Yeah, she thinks about yeah her leathery maiden Let's head, think and about then old ladies hymens,
0: and, and then she's like delighted at the idea of like her wrinkly fingers poking around of vagina. <laughs> she such like, a treasure. <laughs> no, she absolutely hates women, and it's hilarious mm-hmm. because there's a lot of stupid people in the fandom that um <laughs> read her character, and they're like yeah, this is a commentary on feminism, because this is what happens with feminism. It's like, what? what? Cersei is an advocate for women's rights for every single woman named Cersei Lannister, and Mm -hmm. absolutely no one else.
1: I know she might have like a cousin also named Cersei Lannister or something. So we have to be a little more specific than that.
0: But the whole thing is like, you can't write Cersei's internalized misogyny narrative by accident. You can't write all these thoughts about it. And the way we see how that this is the effect of the patriarchy on her, right? And the way that's kind of hardened mm. her, and how that makes her approach every single situation. And then the fact that she ends up being unfairly punished because of sexism, yeah, and and given a specifically misogynistic punishment, like that's Like the
1: thing, the thing with her internalized misogyny is that she can't really, like, because basically she was she's been taught almost every woman in Westeros is taught that their value comes from their sexuality, from their ability to you know, their fertility, their fecundity, whatever, to be, you know, productive baby machines for some dude. And so the way that she approaches any interaction with a man is all about, you know, being manipulative and using her sexuality to manipulate him because that's the only way she can. She thinks that a woman can influence anything. So right. she's all like, you know, my small counsel. If Lorraine is in love with me, then that's good. <laughs> you know?
0: Right. And even with Taina, it's... it's she, Yeah. is you know... Seeming attracted to her too. Um, obviously, the Kettle Blacks, She thinks are the perfect Patsies because they They're want all her in so. Love with
1: her. Yeah, they, everyone wants her so much. But because, yeah. Well, we'll be talking about that. I think when we talk about her Walk of Shame a bit. But, yeah. Um, um.
0: But that's that's the whole point of her arc. Is yeah, Is looking at so. this. Is examining this. And it, I. And in our opinion, it's very challenging to. Uh. You know. The influence of the patriarchy and, and like,
1: can we talk about the sexism here, please? Yeah, it's just like, okay, so Cersei is a shitty queen, so therefore that's an in- a commentary on feminism and an indictment of all women rulers.
0: There's a trope called men are generic and women are special, and that's that's yeah. the whole thing where like men men are allowed to fail at something, and it's not a greater commentary on how men are at yeah, something. like Eris
1: it's- isn't some kind of indictment on male rulers,
0: right? exactly but women are special so as soon as there's a woman ruler who happens to be a bad ruler and Cersei is a bad ruler we will Mm -hmm. never say she's a good ruler um it's that's not an indictment of female rulers that's an indictment of Cersei yeah and like it just seems like there's a whole lot of sexism when it when how anyone could read this book series and come away with the opinion what Martin is writing is an indictment of women it's a caricature of feminism (laughs) Yeah, people always call her a caricature of feminism. It's like you mm. literally don't know what feminism is. It doesn't just mean a woman in a position of power. Because Cersei yeah, Lannister is not a feminist. She is a horrible, horrible misogynist. Mm-hmm.
1: She's probably like one of the worst misogynists in the series. I mean, there's Randall Rape Apologist Tarly. So I don't she's know. Right I, there with him. She's I mean, up they, there.
0: <laughs> they'd see eye to eye. She she could have a drink with him, and they'd be like, "Yeah, Bran totally deserves to be raped for this." Like, yeah. And and the other thing too is is that you know it's not more feminist to uh, to portray only competent women at things mm-hmm. like th- there are flawed women there are women who are shitty who rulers. are complete assholes. So there's this trope right called closer to earth and that's where any sort of um you could say minority but it also applies to women any sort of disempowered like person. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you kind of protect them a little bit and it's like they can do no wrong and cause they're just, they're special, they're just closer to earth and, you know.
1: So like, cause there's, there's often kind of like, like it's usually like a well-meaning reluctance to portray like a marginalized person, Mm -hmm. like as having actual flaws. So like you can't have, you know, a black character who's actually violent because that's a harmful stereotype. So all so then you kind of go too much the wrong way and you have like all black characters who are kind of a little too perfect so they're not yeah. really humans. It's kind of like the noble savage myth, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you, you kind of, you put aboriginal people on a pedestal. Right. But that's just, that's ultimately just as dehumanizing as portraying them as mindless savages.
0: Right. And this is a trope that obviously Martin eats for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, Tyrion is kind of case in point of all of this, I would say, because mm-hmm. Martin had the courage to write a very dark gray dwarf. Yeah.
1: Because, you know, there's, there's like, it's kind of hard to be mean to people when they do this because it is so well meaning. Like, you have yeah. like a disabled person and they've probably gone through a lot of shit in their life just for that. And so, you know, to portray them as having, you know, flaws like Tyrion, who's, who's misogynistic, he's solipsistic, he mm-hmm. has, you know, he has very fucked up views on a, a variety of issues. So like, you know, it kind of feels like you're piling on, but like, that's how real people are. Like, disabled people are just like a subsection of people, and some of them are very nice cinnamon rolls, and some of them are complete assholes. So. Right, like Penny's more of a cinnamon roll. Exactly. Um,
0: and, 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 and the, to us, it's the, it's these intersections of things that, that are the most challenging. So you have Cersei, who is a woman, and she is experiencing Abuse, and we're definitely mm-hmm. going to be getting into this later. She's experiencing a lot of shit and a lot of problems that are very specific to women in this toxic patriarchy, but at the same time, she's not navigating it perfectly. She's a very challenging character to read in a lot of ways and a very, very challenging figure to sympathize or empathize with, um, mm-hmm. until you're kind of forced to, right, with the walk.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And to us, that's how you, that's really how you just dig deep into these issues and, and it's, it's, suppo- it's, it's supposed to make you work.
1: <laughs> yeah, this isn't like, you know, this isn't beach reading. This is, this is work reading.
0: And that's, I think that's one of the other reasons, you know, A Feast for Crows is very dominated by Cersei and it's very dominated by high literary merit. I don't know how mm-hmm. else to say it. It's and female POVs. Female POVs. But it's, it's not your typical fantasy novel. It's really not. Well, I
1: don't want to say that, like, that's kind of being mean to fantasy, but. Okay. It's not like the stereotype of fantasy novels that it's basically like, you know, popcorn reading.
0: Yeah. It's not that. <laughs> I guess what I mean to say is it's it's not even so externally focused in the way that the first three novels were. It feels and, like, the different. First
1: three, the, like, I don't, like, I think this whole high liberty merit thing started with Ned's arc. So, and that was in the sure. first book. So.
0: But I think people can miss it. I guess what I mean is that this, this book, and Cersei's arc in particular, it really. Well, it, it's cool.
1: impossible to ignore it in this book. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it, it forces you to focus on it. And it's just, right. You can
1: read a Game of Thrones and be like, oh, this is a fun story about, like, people and swords and people fucking their brothers and, but, like. Yeah, but when you get to a, a Feast for mm. Crows, it
0: kind of stops you in your tracks and it makes you think and, um, yeah, yeah. you can come yeah. out on one side or the other. We certainly come out on one side.
1: <laughs> read my thing on Fandom Following. <laughs> like, we'll link
0: it. Um, yeah, a
1: Tale of Two Authors, genre expectations. Yeah. We'll link it in the show notes.
0: Yeah, so, now that we've kind of – look, we are sympathetic, by the way. I, I don't mean to just mm-hmm. be an asshole. We are sympathetic to people that find Martin's writing of Cersei to be misogynistic. Like, that's – you know, there's certainly something to be said for why is it that Jaime gets the quote-unquote redemption arc and she doesn't, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. Why is it that it's the woman that's punished in this case? Um, so well, like, we, a
1: man can't be punished the way that Cersei was punished. Exactly. <laughs> And a
0: a man can't have internalized misogyny because he's a man, so So he just has regular
1: misogyny.
0: He just has (laughs) normal misogyny. (laughs) Um, so you know what we what we say is is that we look at the pattern, um Mm -hmm. in in general. So we are sympathetic. We don't want to just dismiss it and say that everything Martin does is free of problems. Certainly, like if she was
1: the only character to have a POV in the whole series, if this was just like novella, then you know. That would probably be a problem.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, but given that, given where she's situated, given that she's situated Mm -hmm. in, you know, a feast for crows where you've got these female dominated POVs, and And you have like
1: Brienne and mm -hmm. and Arya and Arya. Yeah, you have her too. Yeah. Um. We we just give him the feast for crows too.
0: We do at this point give Martin the benefit of the doubt, and maybe we'll be proven really wrong with Winds of Winter. We'll Um, see. I have confidence.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty confident. But so it- our next section is called Cersei and all the foils.
0: <laughs> Cersei is a foil to everyone.
1: And we got an ask today, just like, so who? What's the best foil for Cersei? And we're just like, um,
0: um everyone,
1: definitely every other major female character.
0: <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing: Cersei thinks that her foil is Marjorie, mm-hmm. so we kind of have to discuss her as foil prime, right? Yeah. And what we know of Marjorie in the books is not a whole lot. She's pretty opaque. She might mm-hmm. be not a virgin. We don't know. Uh, she was just really into
1: horseback riding, so her hymen ruptured, like, the majority of women's hymen's ruptured before they actually have sex, actually.
0: And then she just so, asked Pysell uh, for a bunch of moon tea because she likes it.
1: I Yeah, that's kind of the fly in the ointment but... Uh, <laughs> some people think that it didn't happen at all, and she talked Pycelle into it.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, uh, where uh, was the whole... She She knew that Pycelle would report to Cersei, so she faked needing moon tea. I don't know.
1: No, but, like, the whole thing that she said, so, Paisal, today I want you to say this in court publicly, and he's just like, oh, because there's this part in uh, Kevin's chapter where she's, like, he says, I wouldn't have done it, but the queen regent commanded me, and then he gets cut off. Huh. So, uh, it, yeah. I That's mean- an interesting question. I'm, I am look forward to finding out what the fuck was up with that
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. But it, yeah, Marjorie.
0: Marjorie may or may not have had sex. We couldn't really care less, no. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. It's very obvious she didn't have sex with the bard, but no, that's
1: whatever. She wasn't um, having
0: crazy sex parties on occasion. Marjorie's a little snarky. I mean, terrible jokes, but a little snarky.
1: Yeah, like on. Very rare occasions she's a little bit snarky.
0: Yeah, like, there's one point where Cersei says, I have a kingdom to rule, and Marjorie says, but who will rule the other six? Kickle, kickle, kickle. Yeah, and she's like, oh dear me, I hope you're not mad. (laughs) By the, by the way, Julia and I shit on the audiobooks a little, not shit on them, but like, we make fun of Roy DeTreece's pronunciation sometimes, <laughs> but his Marjorie voice is amazing. Like, <laughs> absolutely amazing. Because she really is just like, we were picking autumn flowers and we wanted you to come with us. And it's just this like lovely, vapid little girl voice. It's so, God, you have to. Like,
1: like, I don't, I'm more or less of the opinion that Marjorie is just like... a reasonably intelligent teenager who likes to do teenage girl things.
0: Yeah. She likes to visit the fish market and pick autumn flowers.
1: (laughs) And you know, her family is a little, you know, social climbing. Like, I don't know how, why you, how can you be social climbing when you are Lord Paramount, but they're social climbing somehow. (laughs) They're like, so Marjorie, we're going to use your vagina for politics. And she's
0: like, okay, that's what I'm here for. And that's like kind of it. She's just very much accepted her lot in life. Um, and she's, you know, a, a little bit smarter than her brother, Loras, mm-hmm. is, is the yeah. impression we get. But that, that's about the extent of it. And obviously, Cersei sees her as this young, desirable queen.
1: Yeah. And as this, like, compl- like, as a queen bee. That's how she sees her. Yeah. Basically, like, she's scheming. She's always trying to undermine her. Like, every innocuous comment she says is deliberate fucking Loris? <laughs> She's fucking Loras? She's fucking Loras, because who wouldn't fuck their brother, right? Yeah, so it's it. It's, sometimes it's, we call Ariane princess projection. And we don't have an alliteration for Cersei for that. No,
0: we don't.
1: <laughs> but she's at least as good as Ariane at projecting.
0: <laughs> on to on Quentin, yeah, definitely, definitely, at least as yeah. good. Yeah, and and like so, Marjorie honestly isn't the best foil for Cersei in reality, but I don't think so. In her mind, this is her complete foil, right? And mm-hmm. honestly, the only thing they have similar is that like at that age, they both were hot. Yes. And that really tells you everything everything you need to know about um, Cersei's view of women. Yeah. It's almost like it was a point.
1: Do do you think? Mm -hmm. But this is just a fantasy story, Kylie.
0: So let's talk about the um, foils that she doesn't consider. Mm -hmm. So one of the best ones is actually Sansa. Oh, by the way, we should say with a a literary foil, there's two types. There's foils that are incredibly, incredibly similar, except for like one key thing or there's foils that are very very different and are contrasted so it's like mm. complementary foils and uh competitive foils what's okay. the term there's a term i like your literary terminology i don't think it's real but i think i just made it up
1: <laughs> we do that Sometimes, like, when we don't have a trope we just make one up yeah like tapestry hiding yeah.
0: <sighs> so S- sansa <laughs> stop bringing up dorn
1: they could not ask about it. They're so just like, "What the fuck do you mean by tapestry hiding? And why do you always mention it?"
0: So <laughs> <laughs> that's for Dordish Canada, <laughs> Okay. Um. Yeah. So Sansa is a markedly different person than Cersei. Mm-hmm. Don't get us wrong; she certainly internalized patriarchal messages, but she does not hate women at all.
1: No, she's not misogynist.
0: She just has patriarchy brain. Mm-hmm. Um. And- Everybody does. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but she's definitely not misogynist. She definitely doesn't hate women. In fact, she kind of likes being a woman. Uh, yeah. She just really she's thinks, good at woman things. Yeah, she just is very accepting of her lot in life in in a way. Maybe she's kind of on an interesting route now. Yeah, but she's certainly not going to become you know a second wave feminist or anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> she don't need no man. <laughs> uh, the whole th- the whole thing with Sansa, like Cersei they have these great interactions because they're so markedly different. So Cersei is like the only way to keep your people loyal is to make certain they fear you more than they do the enemy, which is uh if anyone's watched Avatar the Last Airbender, this is what Azula says too. fear is more mm-hmm. reliable than love. And Sansa takes it. She goes like, I will remember your grace. Uh, though she had always heard that it was love is a sure route to the people's loyalty than fear. And then she thinks to herself, if I'm ever a queen, I'll make them love me.
1: Yeah. That's a very deliberate contrast between them
0: incredibly deliberate and it's something that we see carried through where sansa is one of the most highly empathetic characters in the book Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean her she has the most empathy for other characters and we see this time and time again right
1: even people who are complete assholes who have wronged her directly you know she's she never really she never takes pleasure in their suffering or their pain
0: not at all and you know we see her like uh at the battle of blackwater Lancel's really injured and we see her like screaming for people to like come help him and then she thinks to herself like what's wrong with me why am I doing this but she just yeah uh Marillion that asshole we tried dude, to rape her yeah <laughs> when he, she does not feel good about him like being In his downfall yeah. And, yeah him getting blamed for Lysa's death like any of it it just she has a strong moral code and things do not jive with her and she's certainly on a bit of a dangerous path right now with Littlefinger but that's for a different discussion um <laughs> But Cersei almost delights in other people's misery. Yeah. Uh, at the very least, she does not give any shits. There's, like, one moment where she feels slightly bad about Felice. And she's yeah. like, I prefer not to think about it. And that's maybe the extent of a conscious, right? Absolutely.
1: And yeah, she really hates Sansa. She thinks all sorts of horrible things about her. <laughs> and. <laughs>
0: Well, because Sansa's like young and idealistic, and Cersei's like everything's shit. (laughs) (laughs) No,
1: but like like the the amount of like vile that she holds for Marjorie, like when she visits Marjorie in jail or in like whatever faith prison in her penitent cell. Yeah, you know the amount the amount of pleasure she takes in Marjorie's suffering. And even before that, which, she, you know, we, you mentioned it before, how she's like, delighting this, the idea of her being intrusively examined by a septa. And she's like, oh, that's so wonderful. She had strangers hand up her vagina. <laughs> Yay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, granted, she put, she projected a whole lot onto March, so yeah. she was always going to delight in her downfall. But at the very least, she's just apathetic to suffering. Like, she, she felt a little sick when they were torturing the bard all night, but she never. Yeah. She never thought maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Like, no,
1: well, she was all like, "I'm suffering because I have to watch this."
0: Yeah, actually, actually, there's this great line where she's like, "Marjorie made me do this with her treachery." Yeah, I'll find it. <laughs> it's her scheming forced me. What is so good?
1: So this is what she says. So uh they're torturing the blue bard, this random singer, and he's uh, he's denying everything and he's telling his life story, basically about how he came to court to find favor. Yeah, favor what? His name is Watt, yes. Favor, Kyburn chuckled. Is that what women call it now? I fear you found too much of it, my friend, and from the wrong queen. The true one stands before you. Yes. Cersei blamed Marjorie Tyrell for this. If not for her, Watt h- might have lived a long and fruitful life, singing his little songs and betting pick girls and crofters' daughters. Her scheming forced this on me. She has soiled me with her treachery. Right.
0: All that scheming that totally happened. <laughs>
1: yeah. Her picking of autumn flowers and buying a fish. Yes
0: what a bitch. I, I love the grand Tyrell conspiracies and it's like she bid Tyena to do everything and then she lied about this shit and it's like okay. Is Are it, you talking uh, about the one
1: in Cersei's brain or the one in <laughs> the brain of some foreign goers? Well that's the thing a
0: lot of people actually really do believe like yeah. what Cersei's saying and they're like wouldn't this be interesting all those stupid grand conspiracies whatever but yeah so so you know there's very marked differences between yeah, well, there's definitely people who- I
1: oh, yeah. say like, oh, the fact that Marjorie has a hymen totally proves that she's sleeping around. It's like, did you not actually read the text where even Cersei admit that's not of anything? Okay, <laughs> I'm not gonna get into it. Anyway, yeah, Sansa. Well, what's the difference? Who cares? <laughs> that too. That we're not into slut shaming literary characters.
0: Like, are you that into high treason? Like, this bothers you so much? <laughs> How dare she commit high treason? I'm morally offended. Why are we talking about this because of Sansa, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> So Cersei and Sansa are foils. How about that? No, um, our, our point was that their approach to people mm-hmm. is completely opposite. I can't imagine two characters being more different than those two. And actually. we actually should have pulled more quotes about, like, Sansa really, really delights in, in woman things. Mm-hmm. Like, she, she gets joy out of it. She doesn't see it as a weakness. And actually, you know, like, her singing and her love of tales and stuff is her strength in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, and we see that. More and more. They're kind of
1: like her motherliness even with like Sweet Robin.
0: Yeah, go read, go read her sample chapter. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's great. It, she's, she's super nice to a guy who stutters. It's really good. You'll like it. <laughs> and you know, for the same reason that Catelyn and Sansa have interesting similarities in how they kind of move throughout the world and operate this patriarchy, like Cat and Cersei are also decent parallels or foils, uh, because Cat, again, she has patriarchy brain but no internalized misogyny. Yeah. And also, it's, you know, we see them both as mothers. We can contrast their mothering styles and yeah. how Cersei's just basically an abusive shit. Okay,
1: so the thing about Catelyn is that because she has patriarchy brain, just like Cersei, but she doesn't have internalized misogyny, like, kind of, Catelyn's strategy is always to kind of uh, soothe male egos, you know, like, like the way she, that she interacts with Rob, she's just like, I can't let him feel inadequate. I have to make sure that, you know... I don't emasculate him in front of his bannermen or whatever. But Cersei's strategy is kind of the opposite of that. She always kind of, like, when she doesn't like a, a man, she'll just completely, like, just both in her thoughts and verbally just imply that he's not manly enough because he's being inadequate an in whatever way she doesn't like at the moment.
0: Yeah, and it's it's also interesting, like, Catelyn's, you know, like, parenting style with Rob. You can certainly mm-hmm. contrast to like, Cersei doesn't give any shits about, you know, embarrassing her children. It's all about if they're embarrassing her and how, mm-hmm. how their actions relate to her. Whereas Catelyn is all about like, how they'll, you know, she, she's so worried about how Rob will be seen. And, and certainly there's, yeah. you know, different, it's, it's a different sort of situation with Rob as with Tommen, but like, you know, when, when Tommen, he's an eight year old, when he like cries and runs out of the room because, yeah tywin's corpse smells bad and she runs after him and starts being like how could you embarrass me like that like okay Catelyn would not even think to be embarrassed by her children if they were She would just
1: be like oh my god my kid is upset Mm -hmm.
0: what do i do uh Mm -hmm. but yeah so they're 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 certainly interesting foils with that
1: so another character that cersei is often compared to and this is not our fault because we don't make this comparison It's everyone else, no, like spot. we really, uh,
0: honestly, in this case, we would really rather not be talking about Ariane.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, but the character is Ariane. Yes. Um,
1: I mean, like, I can kind of see the point because they both do use sex kind of to achieve a certain goal,
0: right? And so then there's a fandom tendency to compare them both mm-hmm. because you know obviously a woman who has sex to an end is a femme fatale, right? Yes. So I know
1: we've been accused of abusing TV trope terms. So I don't know
0: femme fatale is like that's been around for so long mm-hmm. is, is
1: this old as dirt or older than steam or I'm trying to use the correct terms for TV tropes
0: the femme fatale is you know the the sexually empowered woman who lures men to her death it's, it's, the, it's the whole thing the Madonna horror complex is based on yeah not to whip out another trope but you know <laughs> No, but so, so people liken Cersei to Arian because they see two women using sex, and they're both women in positions of power, so Mm -hmm. therefore they must be the same. And what we would say is, while their means both involve sex, they're markedly different.
1: Yeah, kind of probably intentionally. Yeah. So maybe this is an actual foil. Oh, who knows?
0: Yeah, no, so they are good foils, but not for everyone. Thinks that they're um, everyone thinks they're similar. Comparative versus compliment. I seriously made up both terms. Okay. <laughs> but everyone thinks that they're very similar foils, we would yeah. argue they're very different, yeah,
1: well, you've talked at length about this in one of your in one of your metas, so
0: yeah in my in my Ariane retrospective, so i'll just I'll just say, um, what we see is you know, yes, again, they both use sex, and by the way, we're not excusing no, Ariane doing Arianne. this because we don't we don't really she doesn't approve of it herself <laughs> she it's, she feels it's very hard, guilty it's
1: hard to be hard on Ariane because she's so hard on herself.
0: Yeah, she beats herself up for us. When does your problematic fave ever? But, uh, <laughs> no, the, the thing is, Cersei absolutely hates all of the men that she mm-hmm. uses in this, in this way. Um, and actively despises them. I mean, the way she thinks about the kettleblacks, she just thinks they're so beneath her. No, well,
1: she thinks like basically the fact that they were fooled by her is just a sign that they're really stupid and worthless.
0: Yeah. Kind of, um, yeah catch 22. She's she Cersei's also very dispassionate towards the act. Like she's very just this is a means to an end. I will give them my vagina and then they will do this. Like just yeah, well, very that
1: doesn't, doesn't like having sex
0: with these people. It's, it, she likes it, she likes her
1: with Jamie. Yeah. yeah. But like she I think it's that's tied to her internalized misogyny too because
0: She can't let herself enjoy it, yeah.
1: Like, she has to do this because she's a woman, because the gods were stupid and made her a woman. The
0: gods were stupid, and this is her only method to do anything, and this sucks, and she would rather not be doing it. She'd rather be a man.
1: Yes.
0: She has a complete lack of sympathy or empathy for any suffering of any of the... For any suffering. I think we just went through this. (laughs) But certainly for any suffering of the people that she fucked. She just doesn't care. She doesn't care. Like
1: Lancel. She's just like, when is he going to die? Jeez. Yeah, she's like, this is so frustrating.
0: (laughs) Um, Even Osney, she's... Well, with Osney, she just sees him and starts running. Because she knows what's coming for her. But she just... She doesn't care about the well-being of her partners. Yeah.
1: As as opposed to Ariane, who's... Yeah, she's, she's still beating herself up over Eris, deservedly so. She kind of deserves it,
0: but well, which one's which one's the uh, kettle black that killed the High Septon? Was that Osney? That was Osney. That was Osney. Oh, that was Osney. Because I remember, yeah, she just like thinks he's stupid. <laughs> okay, so then Cersei's also annoyed at any sort of hesitation, any man who would dare. I mean, we just read the 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 Ned quote, right? Yeah. When she she gets like really mad at him, and then
1: you know. Maybe this no, like is- she kind of, she goes nuclear right away. She's
0: always just like, are you disobeying me?
1: How dare you? Yeah.
0: Like right away. She's just an asshole. And then, <laughs> I'm sorry, like her ends do not justify her means. I
1: don't know, this is kind of, you know, bordering on moral relativism, I suppose.
0: Yeah, like this is not the best point, and I'm a little uncomfortable yeah. making the point, but seriously, like, sleeping with a dude to just up and lie so you can imprison this woman, like, I think we do need to talk about the ends a little bit, like Cersei's not particularly justified to the things that she's doing.
1: Yeah, well, it's not very broad-minded at all. I mean, like, you can argue that Aryan is not being especially broad-minded either, but, like, you know, she does have kind of broader concerns, but they are kind of a cover for her daddy issues, so...
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just guess I, at the end of the day, I would rather champion Ariane's cause than Cersei's cause. That is true. But, <laughs> but, no. but yeah, no, I compare this to Ariane and we see the way that she, uh, treats Eris and she, she does like him. She does definitely care for him and she's certainly, um, really upset about his death and beating mm. herself up towards it. She's very not dispassionate towards the act. Uh, you know, she definitely thought he was pleasant bed, if nothing else. <laughs> Yeah,
1: he like, was kind of dumb, but, you know, he was good at the sex stuff.
0: Yeah, like, she kind of rolls his eyes. and She calls it his ponderous gallantry, but, like, she, <laughs> she she thinks he's a little bit of a doof, but he was, like, a hot jock. He was a lovable doof. He had a good ass. And, yeah. I think we made up his ass, actually. Uh, yeah, no, that's the headcanon. But, um, <laughs> no, but she's she's very warm with him. She definitely is empathetic with him. And even though, like, he does hesitate, like, the entire chapter... From his point of view, is about him being like, "I really don't want to do this," and she's like, "Oh, come on! What about this? And what about this?" And but she doesn't. Yeah. She never belittles him. She'll she'll try and talk circles around him because she can. But she never once gets upset with him. She never mocks him. She. It's actually yeah, like,
1: the, like the closest she does that and says, that like you know you're better than the people you work for. Basically. Yeah,
0: it's it, it's really all about you know kind of twisting words until he can feel comfortable being with her. <laughs> which yeah, uh, your mileage could vary on how much that's okay. <laughs> and and yeah, so Cersei and Ariane are are actually excellent foils because we see these similar means in these it, applied in these very different ways, I would say. And uh,
1: it's not an accident that this is an, all in all the same book, so.
0: No, not at all. But uh, you know, it's really funny that to us that they're likened, you know, as these similar they they're both cautionary tales on feminism, right?
1: <laughs> right. They just listen to their malevolent figure.
0: Also, we should probably like so Cersei also is g- excellent foil to, you know, we can talk about her foil to Brienne and how that affects mm-hmm. Jamie's arc, because that's getting more away from Cersei. That's more, yeah, it's more about Jamie. We could talk about uh Jamie and Cersei. Oh, should we first talk about Tyrion and Cersei as foils, though?
1: Uh, yeah. This will get us into a lot of trouble, maybe, but
0: they're very similar. <laughs> they're like the same person, except Cersei's yeah. a little stupid compared to him.
1: Yeah, well, Tyrion is, yeah, he's definitely the smartest Tyrion's person in the Lannister Tyrion's quite family. intelligent, yes. Mm-hmm. We and don't. Cersei's like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's because she didn't have the education that Tyrion did. She's middling. Yeah, Th- there might there might be like nurture reasons, well, why Tyrion is so much smarter than Cersei, or maybe not. Doesn't really matter. But and Cersei's smarter than Jaime,
0: so if we had a rank yeah. the Lannister children's intelligence, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, they're, they're very very similar. In they're both misogynists. They're both horrible misogynists, and they both rationalize away every single thing that they do.
1: And there's there's this one kind of uh this moment in A Clash of Kings where Tyrion is sitting on the Iron Throne and he's just like, Oh, I belong up here. I'm not sh- I don't remember what the entire line is, but he's he's very satisfied that he's sitting up there high above them all, which is like almost the exact same imagery they use more than once for Cersei.
0: Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And they both they both think about how they're like Tywin's true worthy heir. Yeah. Um although Tyrion's born for this. Tyrion has a lot more reasons to think it's but <laughs>
1: No, and just, like, the whole thing, because, like, uh, Tyrion can be a little bit self-congratulatory when he feels that his schemes are working out. Just a bit. <laughs> yeah. And, uh Cersei is also kind of, like, there's, yeah, there's this one point in a Clash of Kings where she's, like, she has all these little webs that she's weaving ineptly. And she, like, just sits back in her chair while her maids are, like, put, putting on her shoes or something. And she's like, oh, I was born for this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and th- th- that's really the main difference between Tyrion and, and Cersei, is that, like, the- their reactions – to the world, are very similar, and their their mm-hmm. feelings about themselves are very similar. Um, ex- and and you know, you you can really contrast their internalized, uh, you know, Cersei's internalized misogyny with his internalized ableism. It's actually kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. But the difference is that Cersei is because she's just a little dumber; she's a little more inept at the shit that she does. Whereas yeah, Tyrion's I mean, a lot more successful.
1: Well, Tyrion Not is always. the most successful thing that Tyrion does is make the reader be on his side. I think because. His handship was a little—it wasn't innet, like it wasn't he did better Cersei. than I would have done as hand, definitely. He did better than maybe ninety-five percent of people would have done. Yeah, but like he made mistakes, and oh, yeah. he's but like his POV is so convincing that it's easy not to see it.
0: And Cersei's POV, you know, she is actually mentally ill when we like <laughs> get into her point of view. So I'm wondering if it would have been more convincing if we had had her chapters earlier. Um, yeah. You know, and that's actually, this kind of brings back to the Martin's a sexist argument, like, why is it that we didn't get her point of views earlier? But I, I don't know. I like Cersei for what she is. <laughs> so I think so. But the, the more you go back and the more you reread and revisit this kind of stuff, you really see just how similar the mode of operation between Tyrion and Cersei are. And they're very- And, Ty- and Tywin too. And Tywin, Tywin belongs in this trinity. Right, because they are the Lannisters. And like we said, Jamie's the black sheep because he had a formative experience. And he's definitely- And we're talking he's- about him. The whole kink slang thing, kind of. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um so speaking of Jamie, we can talk about him as a foil for Cersei because, you know, the whole thing is that their relationship is built on the idea that they're like the same person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they both think this too. Uh, there's a part where, um I think Brienne says, "If like if you're a woman, would you let them rape you or something?" And he says, "And he thinks if I was a woman, I would be Cersei."
1: And then, yeah, there's a similar scene where Tina's asking; she's talking about like some magician who turns women into men or whatever, and she's like, "Would you
0: like to be a man
1: for a night or something?" Yeah, Your Grace. And she's like, "If I were a man, I, I would be Jamie.
0: Yeah. So they both definitely think that. And then, of course, it's the whole—you know—he's he's gone through this trauma and he's changing a bit and that causes him to no longer be the perfect reflection of her and yeah
1: like both kind of physically like he grows out this beard during his captivity that he he refuses to shave off and you know he's all gaunt and he's missing a sword hand and she's just like oh my god what is this yeah um and he's not like you know the he's not a perfect warrior anymore because he
0: has you know an injury but we we don't I don't know, this is, this is more for Jamie, like, he doesn't have a perfect redemption either. It kind of annoys me when people talk about it, like, it's so, like, he's, he's getting so much better, and he's just, like, more, and it's like, oh, okay. He's certainly struggling with his inner demons and thinking about internal and external honor, but, like. Yeah. He doesn't have a perfect redemption.
1: Uh, sometimes he, get, he goes a little bit Kylo Ren, too, or he's just like, I'm going to shoot the baby out with the trebuchet. I'm so evil. He was and he's so really proud better. of that. Yeah. He, he was it's so proud like, of that. I'm tradition. glad we have, like, something to compare that to.
0: He's like Kylo Ren. Yeah. And, well, <laughs> Thank well, and you, J.J. That, Abrams. Because that was, um, <laughs> that was Jamie <laughs> thinking he was Tywin's son. Like, that was, yeah. his. he's like, see, look how good I am at this. And you're like, oh, dear. <laughs> you're trying so hard. And brownie points. Um but yeah, like certainly the trajectories they're on um Cersei and Jamie are on uh di- divergent trajectories. Mm-hmm. So there there are very clear contrasts with that. Um should we talk about their relationship? Ah, uh, their like romantic relationship. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um it's not good. I don't think it was ever good. No.
0: Well, even if you look at that scene. From Brand's point of view, she's like, no, not here, no, what are you doing? And he's like, yeah.
1: But like, even like, uh, I don't think it's, I think it's the first time they had sex, I'm not sure if that's explicitly stated where she talks him into being, uh, a King's talks him into being, like, you know, it's probably the first time they, you know, hit a home run, I'm sure they went to third before that. But, um. I don't want to think about that. Yeah, I don't want to think about that, but you know. I, but here we I, are. Uh, yeah, there we go. But, but even, even like that in what, what is presumably the first time they've ever had sex is, she, she's doing it to manipulate him. And it's kind of just, and she's all just like, you know, what do you, you'd rather have Castle Rock or would you rather have me? And it's,
0: it's it's that kind of like manipulative, caustic kind of. And that's, and codependent almost relationship. It's, yeah, it's definitely codependent and it's definitely mutually destructive too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are, oh, that evil Cersei. And no, which I think, I think we, we talked about briefly, but um, to be clear, he does rape her in the sept scene in the books we're not interested in any of your bullshit apologism okay yeah we're really not there's absolutely no reason why two people why wait, wait anyone in the 21st century reads that scene and thinks oh yes no this is consensual when she clearly says no and punches his chest and tries to get him away from her like that's that's yeah. rape. and that's if this rape. is
1: just like you know how they have sex that's fucked up yeah and so. that's
0: and that's the point this is the yeah. norm for them like it's it's depraved like the the whole scene is supposed to be their son's corpses right there they're getting blood on a holy altar like the imagery is supposed to be really fucked up and what what the whole point of that was we we were in jamie's head for all of a storm of swords right Mm -hmm. and he was romanticizing this relationship and thinking about in this like beautiful like rose-colored lens and then we see it and it's horrifying yeah and this is the norm for them.
1: Yeah. And she's just like – she's so like – there's a term for that kind of abuse where you're just like you, – you always like, you know, threaten to leave the person. You accuse the person of not loving you. She's um, really into that in her interactions with, with Jamie. She very much is. Like th- that first scene, like the first time we really see them, not through the point of view of a seven-year-old. She's just like – she's she like demands that he kills Tyrion. And he's like, uh, no, I can't do that. And she's just like, well, don't you love me? Won't
0: you do it for me? And, right, like, we're, so, I, we're supposed to find the mutual abuse disquieting, I believe. Yeah. And, yes, Jamie's the one to kind of see the truth of that first, but that does not mean that he was not an abuser in these situations, either. Like,
1: I don't, Has Cersei ever had a healthy sexual relationship?
0: Um, Tyena no.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's super healthy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I don't, she certainly didn't have a healthy relationship with Robert. Um, no and we need to talk about that mm-hmm. because there there's a fandom tendency to underplay her abuse at Robert's hands or to apologize for it or to say that it wasn't real um, and i think a lot of it is that you know we think of abuse victims and rape victims as being totally pure right like this is this mm-hmm. was the issue that we have with the uh with the adaptation of the show um we we're going to mention that we're we're not going to mention it, but it's, it's the whole idea. Like it's, it's a dangerous mentality to think that there is a certain way that abuse victims look and behave. Yeah. That is troubling. And I think some of that is like, she's an evil woman. Yeah. She can't also be a rape victim. Oh, okay. No, that's impossible. Um, so I got a very long message sent to me and I'm going to read just parts of it. Oh, gosh. And so when Cersei has been shown to be an unreliable narrator who places herself in the role of a victim, the instances where she thinks of her kindness and care for Sansa and her feelings of betrayed and being wronged by Malara come to mind. Why should we not take her allegations of sexual abuse by Robert with a grain of salt? Oh, gosh. The only instance where he has ever been accused of rape or it's even been implied is with Cersei. There are no secondary sources like Barristan or Jamie who witnessed areas rape of Raella. I won't argue that he's the greatest guy ever, but I don't think he's on a tywin roos Ramsey level either. That totally matters. Uh, would he have been completely faithful to Lyanna? No, but I don't think he would have been going on sex benders like he does with Cersei either because he actually liked Lyanna and wanted to be with her. She really wanted to be with him too. Yeah, (laughs) we're sarcastic with that. Um, for all his flaws, this is my favorite part. For all his flaws, his spendthrift nature, his overindulgence in alcohol and women, his ambivalent views towards formal duties of the king—none of them doomed Westeros—and could have been easily and and could have been easily survived had he left a legitimate heir. Yeah, this is like the home run of. Where do we start? (laughs) Well, let's start with this concept that Cersei is an unreliable narrator. She does have a lot of projections. We were talking about this. She does have a lot of self-indulgent thoughts and solipsistic thoughts.
1: Well, there's a difference between being an unreliable narrator and like, you know, twisting facts yeah. and just making shit up. Like from a Doyle's perspective, what would be the point of that exactly?
0: Yeah. Like, like Cersei has a very specific lens through which she understands how things were so, oh, I was so kind to Sansa. But what would her... Just making up this abuse do. Like, this
1: is this is a woman whose idea of, you know, healthy, loving sex isn't exactly vanilla. So, if she has a problem with the
0: way he's behaving. And he like, had a problem with the way he was behaving, yeah. too. Like, I, I don't know if I can emphasize this enough. She, she thinks of them as abuses... She confronts him and says you hurt me and he looked mm-hmm. ashamed of himself and then it's just like oh it's the wine yeah but the,
1: the, then she threw something in his face yeah so obviously she's also abusive so yeah.
0: the 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 reaction <sighs> to being ab- right the reaction to being abused like we're not excusing her reactions to it but this mm-hmm. doesn't negate the fact that he raped her and he he his actions were completely over the line
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know there's people that get uncomfortable calling it rape because, well, she was his wife, but oh, again, God. we're not interested in your moral, moral What system. is this, 1930? <laughs> like, we're not interested okay. <laughs> in having this discussion with you. But no, Julia, we're poisoning the word rape if we use it too liberally. Okay. Go, go fuck yourself. Um, And then, like, all of this, too, like, somehow it would be justified
1: because... No, like, she- this is all her fault because she refuses to have the children of the man
0: who raped her. Yeah. And, you know, we judge Cersei for a lot of her actions, but we absolutely do not judge her for wanting to, you know, control the conditions of her pregnancy and control her body with the only source of recourse that she has. And doomed Westeros. Okay. It was a
1: politically stupid
0: decision. Yes.
1: But, like, that's kind of a separate argument.
0: (sighs) Yeah. And, like, let's talk about how, you know what? Actually, Robert's debt might be dooming Westeros more than anything else right now. Yeah, so suck on that. Probably, oh, <laughs>
1: and you know we're, we're totally for this whole hereditary hereditary monarchy thing. We should. Do think it should totally
0: be supported at all? Yeah, so. we love the feudal order and we want it to be upheld <sighs> at all costs. Yeah. So we're very concerned that Cersei controlling her reproduction was. Such we're
1: a- very concerned that by the fact that the current king is not actually genetically related to the previous king.
0: Also, the fact that the Westerosi have absolutely no understanding of how genetics work and (laughs) recessive (laughs) traits. Like, (laughs) Yeah. And and the topic for another day, but we have zero interest in romanticizing Robert's feelings for Lyanna. No. It's a a, a sexual obsession at best at this point. Darling, she was not that into you. Get over it. (laughs) And he just had to, like, keep it... Al- he's like a grown man-child who can't deal with himself. He's kind of a tragic figure, but... All right. And he he's, like, just, like, determined to step her in the
1: fridge, you know? Like, this was all about me, damn it! Right. Yeah. And this isn't ha- the Robert Hour.
0: And he wouldn't have been going on <laughs> sex benders if Cersei had been such a bitch.
1: Yeah. Alright. Your sister never would have treated me so. Yeah. From what we know of she probably would have done a lot worse. Um <laughs> Yeah. So but, that's... like, like I, we don't want to, like, I don't want to excuse, like, her deception of her husband. That wasn't cool at all. But, like, you know, one doesn't negate the other. Exactly. and She can still be a victim of abuse and rape and be, you know, problematically deceptive about these
0: children who she claims are her husbands. Yeah. And she can still be an abuser herself, which she yes. was absolutely she fucking killed him and i don't think that was supposed to be like a cheer worthy moment no <laughs> um but we just yeah we have no interest in in underplaying her abuse so no i don't think Cersei has had a healthy sexual relationship no well speaking of cersei as an abuser let's talk about her mothering skills well you're the mother <laughs> my sonion doesn't really count so i, I would... like an expert
1: on all mothers now yes are you, you are shoving for... me into this pigeonhole
0: you idealized motherhood <laughs> All right. Um no, I'm just saying, speak with your agency as a mother because I think it's an <laughs> interesting perspective. Um well, we actually got
1: an ask when we solicited for asks. Um do you think that Cersei actually loves her children or does she just see them as extensions of themselves and like a source of potential power? And
0: what do you think, Kylie? I don't think those are mutually exclusive. Yeah, that's probably true. Um I mean you know, Cersei's capacity to love is interesting because again, she loved Jamie for her part when she thought Jamie was her.
1: Okay, let me read you a passage of some of her interaction with Tommen and it'll probably speak for itself. Okay, so they're talking about Marjorie, uh, who's married to Tommen right now, but they're not having socks because he's eight. Um, <laughs> so Marjorie has given Tommen some innocuous advice about like, you know, interacting with his subjects or something like that. So he says, Marjorie says... A deal too much, Cersei snapped. For half a groat, I'd gladly have her tongue torn out. Don't say that! Tommen shouted suddenly, his round little face turning red. You leave her tongue alone. Don't you touch her. I'm the king, not you. She stared at him, incredulous. What did you say? I'm the king. I get to say who has her tongues torn out, not you. I won't let you hurt Marjorie. I won't. I forbid it. Cersei took him by the ear and dragged him squealing to the door, where she found Sir Boris Blount standing guard. Sir Boris, his Grace has forgotten himself. Kindly escort him to his bedchamber. Bring up Pate. Pate is uh, Tommen's whipping boy. This time, I want Tommen to whip the boy himself. He is to continue until the boy is bleeding from both cheeks. If his Grace refuses or says one word of protest, summon Kyburn and let him tell him to remove Pate's tongue, so his Grace can learn the cost of insolence. As you command, Sir Boris huffed, glancing at the king uneasily. Your Grace, please come with me. So that is how. Cersei disciplines her children. What an ideal mother.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, Cersei's quite an abusive parent. Um, Mm -hmm. She also heavily, heavily favored Joffrey. She thought he was perfect. She didn't, she wasn't worried about his behavior.
1: I know we we went inside her head when he was alive, so maybe it was a little bit different when he was. But
0: at this point, yeah, he's definitely he's the perfect boy. Yeah, she always thinks about how Tommen doesn't have his grace or his social skills or anything like that. And then Marcella, um, she does not think about Marcella a whole hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. In a, for I mean, when, and when she does, like, I, I think there are like three
1: times she actually explicitly thinks about her in a Feast for crows, and two of them are in context to Tyrion. Yeah, two of them are in contact with like, you know, is Tyrion there? Because <laughs> Tyrion is in Dorne, obviously, and he obviously cut Marcella's ear off because that's the most logical explanation. Or, or like, she, um, she's worried about Tommen being sick and she's like, oh no, he can't die because Marcella, his heir, is in Dorne. I can't have that. Right. So that's uh, as much as she uh, thinks about her daughter. And even when she hears that her daughter is like, injured and had a massive infection and was close to death, her first thought is not about like you know oh is she alright is she recovering it was this is yeah she she, she oh, used yeah. to be so pretty that's yeah. what she said I, I just kind of had the feeling that if if like you know this was a modern AU you know those fanfics I love so much mm-hmm. that Cersei would be like putting Risselle on a diet when she was 8
0: yeah yeah I could see that it's very like Patsy's mom <laughs> Patsy <laughs> <laughs> we can't talk about that Okay, so we have we have a few cersei related asks. I don't think we're going to have time to get through all of them cuz we're no, we'll at, just an hour 30, so maybe select a few.
1: Yeah. Just uh we kind of put them in order of importance, right?
0: Yeah, and I'm going to cut out some of these cuz we kind of already answered them. Okay. So the the first one uh we have is how do you feel about book Kevin? We'll just call him Mm -hmm. Kevin. But Kevin's refusal to serve Cersei and his possible involvement with her walk of shame. Do you think he was largely motivated by misogynistic opinion of Cersei, or was he just being critical and correct about her ability to rule? Yes. Yes. Yeah, again, not mutually exclusive. There are (laughs) canonical reasons that Kevin... Uh, doubted her ca- capacity as a leader. You know, even when he mm-hmm. tried to sit down and give her good advice, it was obvious she wasn't receptive to it. Um, of course, he was also mansplaining a bit because he is—he <laughs> is a sexist asshole. Yeah, I do believe, based on his point of view, it does seem like he felt this was the only solution to free her.
1: But you kind of have the feeling that if you know she was a man who was being completely inept at government, like his
0: first solution would be just go away. Yeah. Oh no, not at <laughs> all. You know,
1: like. That's, that's rather speculative of me, but.
0: He's also yeah. incredibly hurt by his son, like, his son, and he blames a lot of, like, how Lancel is now on Cersei. Mm-hmm. Um, be- she corrupted him. Yeah, and Lancel's very, uh, he's sickly, and he's, he's not really well, showing. He was,
1: he was injured really seriously. Yeah. And he never really recovered.
0: Yeah, and he's not really showing an interest in his, um, new wife that he was given. He's just, like, praised a bunch, and, and won't, like, do his duties, and.
1: Yeah. Yeah. and then he he went off to be a warrior monk.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> he did. So yeah, Kevin, exactly what he did. Kevin was really really concerned with um <laughs> Cersei's treatment of him. So she, he he had yeah, he had good reasons to to object to her and he also was probably a bit of an asshole and a bit of a sexist. Um Yeah. I don't think he's a sex like I don't think he's a sexist asshole, he's just like a sexist. He's he's Westerosi. Yeah. He's honestly he's just very normative to me. Yeah, I think that's just, like, he he doesn't question the way the world is. No, um, and, you know, I don't actually apply extra malice to him. I don't think, like, I would call Tyrion a misogynist because he goes a bit above and beyond, but mm-hmm. to me, Kevin doesn't do that. He's just kind of... Ambivalently sexist. Yeah, he's just a dude living in Westeros, so of course he's going <laughs> to be sexist. And, yeah, when you idolize Tywin, that's going to mess you up. Too. <laughs> Tywin. Oh my God.
1: Just, uh, I just can't get over how you wanted to... Kill Elliot's children and then return her.
0: Yeah. What? How did he think that would have gone? Take her back. We don't want this anymore. Sorry for it. Sorry for the mess. Anyway, that's I don't know how we got into that. Um, but
1: like he gives her good, like Kevin gives her some good advice that she completely ignores, and you kind of like have the feeling that he's generally trying to actually help.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, but, like, he's talking
1: down to her, but... He's talking down to her, and he's kind of dismissing the very idea that she could be competent, I think. Yes. But maybe he has a good reason for that, because this is, this is, like, you know, this is Regency 2.0 at this point. So...
0: Yeah, yeah and you really have to be skeptical of anyone who, as Regent, allowed Ned Stark's head to get cut off. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's a pretty big thing to, to overcome. Yeah. You wanna read the next? <sighs> did you
1: do this on purpose? I did. I read a very convincing theory a couple of days ago that stated that Cersei would bury Euron Greyjoy in the last desperate attempt to keep her power. Do you think that this is in any way possible? Define possible.
0: It's possible. As in, like, it's possible.
1: Like, possible as in, like... From a literary... I mean, obviously it's possible. Like, like it's possible that a sperm will will spontaneously appear? Yeah. Because of chaos theory? What about, is
0: it possible in a literary sense?
1: I'm sure that, like, if the author takes a very sharp right turn in the middle of Winds of Winter and then goes for it for a book, then
0: maybe. I don't know. Depending on the context, sure. As it is now. Really? We don't... I said depending on the context, uh, sure.
1: I mean, like, this isn't like we say depending on the context, like, Arianne might marry Aegon. <laughs> Right. This, it's
0: a little bit more outlandish than that even. No, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's like saying, is it possible that, you know. We're just both really scientifically minded and we don't want to say things are impossible. Is it possible <laughs> that Sam slips and falls into the sea and is eaten by a shark in his next point of view? Like, yes. <laughs> Honestly, this isn't the first question we've gotten about Euron and Cersei, and I don't understand mm-hmm. what the fascination is.
1: I don't know, because they're two horribly people who think they're way smarter than they they're
0: are? they even. Yeah, but, I mean, honestly, Cersei could chew Euron and spit him out for breakfast, you think so? I think. <laughs> well, I don't know. I know, he's very... He's charismatic. He's
1: very, I know, and he's very, like, quick to make permanent changes to people.
0: Yeah, I just think he's really dumb. Like, I don't, I don't he's have... He's
1: not a very good planner. <laughs> if you can't take, you know, take a simple question from one book snob. Cersei's but. a
0: much better planner than him and that's saying something.
1: <laughs> I people have very strange ideas about and I Yeah. Alright,
0: I'll read into the next one which is a little predictive, but it's a little character analysis, so I think it's okay. Character analysis y Character analysis yes, sorry. Uh do you think Cersei will change after her deal with the walk through the city and how she navigates politics? I always got the sense that she sees her family name, her wealth, and her body as tools to further herself. But during her walk, a line I remember is, they've seen, they've seen me. I wonder how this might change how she views her body and self-worth, and how she's going to handle politics now that she's humiliated.
1: Yeah, well, the whole point of the Walk of Shame, like from a from a literary perspective, is that like Cersei is confronted by kind of how much she, how much she's built Up her own self worth based on her appearance and her perception of her own desirability, right? Yeah, and so like that—that's why you know the walk of shame was such a cruel and so and such a sexist punishment because you know because of her internalized misogyny she she puts so much of her own value in how hot she is basically, and now like she feels like everybody sees that she's not so hot, so that kind of diminishes
0: her own self-worth in her own mind. Yeah. So, of course, it, of course it's going to change yeah. how she navigates politics. And it, oh, we only see her post-walk through Kevin's stupid normative eyes that pit. And
1: he's all like, oh, she's so,
0: like, cowed and submissive. He's like the least Which- observant person also, like, <laughs> in my opinion. So, and, and he, he has some pretty, uh, weird thoughts about her too sometimes. Yeah, like,
1: she was the most lovely maiden, or whatever,
0: yeah, uh, was there ever a maiden so pleasant to look upon? yeah, you know, like Kevin, so I don't think he's a very <laughs> trustworthy dude so just because Kevin's saying she's cowed, I guess is what we're saying it doesn't really mean she's cowed, but she certainly doesn't feel beautiful herself anymore, yeah. and that's that that's how she viewed her power coming from. Yeah. So of of course that's going to approach like change her approach. Uh, I don't want to say how because I don't have my copy of Winds of Winter in front of me. <laughs> no. Nope. So, but yeah, I would I would expect a market change in I don't know change in tactics, but
1: yeah. Well, I I don't like I don't see how she can use the same tactics because because her like image of herself has been changed. What what man will take her? sexual advances seriously at that point, which is kind of the point of the walk of shame from the face point of view, right?
0: Right. No, that's not to say she's going to roll over and die and be a completely new character. No, um, I don't think so. But I think it is going to be fascinating when you, you have this much internalized misogyny and you're confronted with this very misogynistic truth. And yeah. And that's really just cuts to the core.
1: It's like, yeah, those damn Westrosi, like,
0: they seem to think this is a very convincing political argument
1: that they saw her naked. So, <laughs> you know... <laughs> <laughs> they really do, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, your boobs are saggy, therefore you can't be a queen, okay? Yeah. I Wonder what Angela Merkel thinks about that. <laughs> let's let's ask her. <laughs> let's. <That laughs> do you think she debate. has a Tumblr we can send her and ask? She's got to have a Twitter, right? Yeah.
0: I'm sure. About. Yeah.
1: Let's let's troll the Chancellor of Germany. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why not? Um, you can do the next. Okay. Um,
1: what were some of Cersei's best political decisions? As in, what actions of hers accomplished what she wanted instead of accomplishing the opposite? Bonus points if she didn't weaken Lannister power or
0: influence. Well, she would have died had she not killed Robert, probably. Right.
1: Well, yeah, he would have figured out it. Like, he I'm would not have figured t- out. Don't
0: get me wrong; that's not a good political decision, like for mm-hmm. Westeros, but for her.
1: Yeah, it definitely increased Lannister power and influence. Did at that. Yeah. And, um, Kyburn is like, he's a good choice for Master of Whispers. And Varys obviously wasn't very, <laughs> like, not a good choice for that. But, um, but there are so many other problems with Kyburn. <laughs> no, like, no, but he seems, he seems to be good at the gathering of the information. Best political decision. Jesus Christ. She it, agreed that she should have Appointed a master of arms, but then she immediately thought that she was going to use this to troll the Martells. <laughs> or not the Martells, the, the, uh, the Tyrells. The Tyrells,
0: yeah. By appointing a Dornishman. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This would upset them because they're racist. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, cause it, she's just like, she makes this comment where, where Loris is like, he's like giving Tom and some jousting tips. And she's like, oh, no, don't do that. That's not your job. That's the Master of Arms job. Because, you know, she's afraid that Tommen will catch the gaze from Loris. Yeah. And Loris is like, Um, we don't have a Master of, master of Arms. You have not appointed one. And she makes this comment just like, well, you know, with all the stuff I had to do, all the, these kingdoms to run and, you know, a husband to mourn, I overlook the crucial matter of appointing a Master of Arms. And you cannot tell if she's sarcastic or not. Yeah. Because it is kind of crucial.
0: <laughs> yeah. A little bit. So, <laughs> I mean, whoever said that she made good political decisions?
1: I'm kind of, I kind of can't think this of is, one. This is
0: where the cartoonish villain um, criticism comes from, you know? What? Because we can't think of any good decisions that she made.
1: And I'll buy a feast for crows, so I don't know. Definitely. I don't think
0: the point of her character is that she's making these wonderful decisions. You know, if you if you want if you want to read a point of view about a queen. Making decisions and some are politically good and some are less so. Go read Danny's chapters.
1: We didn't talk to her about her as a foil, but do we oh, have to? Oh, God. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, they foil—they foil themselves. Yeah, I mean, like I—I I think uh, Martin had lamented at one point that they weren't in the same book well, because of his geog- geographical split. Because then you don't see the parallels and the contrast between them.
0: It would have fit so well too um, with the. But she has John to be contrasted with in the right, so yeah. she did okay. It well this is why I read it all as one big book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean I should think it's rather obvious the way that they're foils. And which is why a lot of people also think that she's a candidate for younger, more beautiful queen, even though we say that doesn't make sense because it doesn't make sense.
1: Yep, because like
0: Because yeah, there's like, no prapsies. true one younger beautiful queen. <laughs> If like, she, why
1: are we taking this prophecy to face value? I mean, like you see it all the time, like people making predictions. So I like, go, oh, no, this can't happen because of this prophecy, and you're just like,
0: what you can't she? see
1: me twitching <laughs> over podcast feed, but yeah. Like, did you
0: guys read Harry Potter? Because <laughs> like, she kind of, you know, gets into the whole point about how human choice has a lot to do with prophecies.
1: Yeah, wasn't did Neville she?
0: Longbottom right? Yeah, Okay. but it could have been exactly. It wasn't.
1: It wasn't because Voldemort chose Harry. Yeah. Why <sighs> so yeah, can't think of any good decisions that she made. I really can't. I'm sorry, Cersei. I mean, I, I kind of, sort of defend her decision to arm the Faith. Kind of. I to I an see extent. where she's coming
0: from, and it wasn't the. No, I mean it was pretty bad, dude.
1: But like, it was kind of like a fait accompli because, like, there were yeah. armed men stopping her from entering the Sept. Right. It's true,
0: and and there were very, you know, the sparrows were a public nuisance. Yeah, Tommen's so, reign really was in question with the small folk, mm-hmm. and there you really kind was a of mass argue That
1: she just, you know, formalized something that was already happening and got something out of it. But then, like, she formalized something that was bad, <laughs> right? Really, from any point of view.
0: Yeah, I mean, so, I really do. I understand it, I guess.
1: Um, I mean, on the Cersei scare- scale of stupid decisions, it's probably one of the lowest ones. I think. Even I think
0: Operation Kill Trystane was one of her best <laughs> plans. No,
1: like, like it's so stupid that a lot of people don't believe it. <laughs> like,
0: like, even for Cersei, this is dumb.
1: Yeah. Like, even, even like Nymeria Sand, the master of planning, was <laughs> just like,
0: "What?" <laughs> you could argue the Dragonstone thing was not.
1: Oh, really yeah, well, stupid. It's- your goal is to get rid of Loras.
0: If your goal is to get rid of Loras Thoreau, but it also did lift the siege mm-hmm. and freed up the important. ships to deal with the Ironborn, which is which awesome. she didn't give a fuck about. Like she, she doesn't was just, give, like yeah. But lifting yeah. the siege is important. It's just not a very politically savvy thing to do. Yeah, but like
1: she she did kind of like that did allow her to kind of like do like a a Zantos Gambit. Is like whatever happens, she wins. Yeah. So yeah. that. Th- so actually. Loris had kind of thrown it into her lap because he's, he's a little stupid.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> that actually really wasn't a, a bad decision on her part mm-hmm. because, yeah, either way she won. Either way she'd get something out of it.
1: Because well, so if Loris died, then Loris died. And if, you know, he came back and lost, then his prestige as a folk hero is greatly diminished. And if he wins, then she gets Dragonstone. Yeah, so. and,
0: and she seems to be getting the best of both worlds in this case. Mm-hmm. for in her mind where he's yeah. like half dead and she got dragonstone, so yeah
1: so Unless there's a grand uh, tyrell conspiracy of course
0: <sighs> well dying's not dead as marjorie would yes. tell us but i don't want to hear anything about conspiracies or grand or anything <laughs> we're gonna do a theory hour i know we are we're
1: gonna have to and it's gonna be really salty
0: it's gonna be yeah. You're gonna listen to us and be like, "You two are the biggest assholes in the world." What makes you think you have this figured out? And we're like, we don't. That's the point. <laughs> I have nothing clue what's gonna happen next.
1: It's that, but I'm not sure one thing won't happen. But I can. Probably, I might be wrong. I can
0: <laughs> promise you, Oberon did not found the fucking bloody mummers. <laughs> tell you that right now. I'm reasonably certain that that's not the case. I don't know. God. Um. Okay. So I think we have time for one more Cersei question. Okay. Which is. Uh, I get in a lot of arguments with friends about how much we should respect Cersei. I'm a, lo- I'm a Lannister sp- fanboy, and I have to explain her to most people. Are her actions, if not excusable, understandable, or am I blinded by Tywin's awesomeness?
1: Isn't it lovely when you read something and you're, like, agreeing with all of it, and then the last sentence comes along? <laughs> Tywin's awesomeness? Tywin is... Tywin's the worst. The worst. <sighs> and has first of all... He thinks that you can kill a woman and the, kill a woman's children and then return her to her brother, as if like you know your iPod is busted and you want to claim the warranty, but you have to put it back in the box, right? Because they make you like return the box that you bought the iPod in.
0: Yeah, Tywin's that's how he
1: sees oh Elia. Yeah, he sees her as the box for the busted iPad.
0: Tywin's awesome. What's
1: awesome about Tywin? Um, he's got a really red
0: cape. He's got sweet mutton chops. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, like this is, this is the man who turned a situation that was completely manageable, that is, this whole kerfuffle with Jamie and Ned and Tyrion being kidnapped, and decided the most appropriate response is to start killing peasants who were marginally connected to the person who was insulting him by marriage.
0: <laughs> He's the worst! <laughs> Seriously, and his, I don't even think he's that. Uh, we we're supposed to think he's a wonderful military commander, mm-hmm. but I really like wear the receipts because. I mean, he seems to be like okay
1: at administration. I mean, he he yeah. ran the Seven Kingdoms for twenty years, and it wasn't in horrible debt. So,
0: yeah, he's probably fine with that with the day to day details. Um, but
1: like, he took away all the rights that the small folks had gained in the last hundred years, just kind of willy nilly. Oh, Egg would be so sad. Yeah. He would be. Poor Egg. Um, uh, like, this whole thing with the Martells, like, why did he think that was the best way to manage that situation? We can't emphasize
0: this enough. And it's, it's, this really isn't about being stands either. This is, like...
1: But like, like, why is he antagonizing them for 17 years? Why do not he just fucking give them the man who was obviously
0: responsible for the thing? Yeah, I but- mean... <sighs> There were tense And then again, Tyrion kind of overcompensated for that one when he's like, here's all our castles. <laughs> Go. <laughs> but uh, no. So I don't know if you're blinded. If if you were calling Tywin awesome, then yes, you're blinded by whatever awesomeness <laughs> you're by a- his fabulous, fabulous bling imagining. But um, the thing is, I certainly get into arguments about mm. how her actions are. They're definitely not excusable. No. That's not the point of this. But they're quite understandable, I think. I think you always see where Cersei's coming from, even if, you know, you hate it. And, you know, when Martin talks about needing a shower after he writes her chapters, it's cause she's yeah. a, he, she's a very bad, like she's a, not a good person. It's a, it's no. gotta be a difficult headspace to occupy for a while. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's because he thinks she's so, like, everything she's doing is just awful and there's no, like, rhyme or reason to it and, She's just the worst and he has no empathy for her. Well, she's
1: kind of like the anti Tyrion in a way because like like I I said before that Tyrion is so convincing that like the reader believes him and he be- believes his like solipsistic justifications. Mm-hmm. Cersei's kind of the opposite. Like she's such an asshole that even when she has a point,
0: it's hard for the reader to see it. Exactly. But she definitely because they're very good foils, like you really mm-hmm. when you take some time to think through all of this, she really does tend to have a point. Half like at least in what she's doing. And there's, there's a clear logic.
1: Yeah. But like her whole, like her whole overarching concern is kind of so petty, you know, like with Marjorie and everything. Oh yeah. And the way that she prioritizes that over absolutely everything. Like, oh, the crazy uh, Viking analogs are invading the Reach. And she's just like, how will this affect my cat fight? (laughs) And it's only like a one-sided cat fight. You
0: know, Marjorie just like wants to do Marjorie things. (laughs) Yeah, Marjorie just wants to, you know, she really likes those fish markets.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, she's doing the PR thing, like, it's obviously, like, conscious effort to make people to like her, but, like, she's the queen, that's what she's supposed to be doing, it's her job. Yeah. And Cersei just has such contempt for the small folk that, you know, she doesn't quite get it. And she has a kingdom <sighs> to rule. Only one? What about the other six? Marge is a hoot. <laughs> I'd like Marge, I think, I think I would like hanging out with her.
0: Yeah. Well. I- I mean, she's a little snarky when she wants to be, Mm -hmm. which I enjoy. I liked her reaction to the dragonstone stuff. Yeah, but she's
1: like she obviously
0: sees through Cersei. So, what are we? How much we should respect Cersei? I mean, I don't know about like respecting. Like, no, you don't need to respect her. You don't need to respect her, but I think I think anyone who can at least see where she's coming from is. And anyone who can't
1: empathize with her at
0: all, yeah, I.
1: I have to raise my eyebrows at that. Like,
0: I don't believe, I don't believe for a second Martin doesn't empathize with her. Is what I was trying to say with that whole shower thing. Mm-hmm. Because you can't, you can't accidentally write her internalized misogyny the way he did, and with such a delicacy that he did. You can't write that scene with her reclaiming her abuse in that manner if you don't feel any ounce of empathy. And by the way, I'm not saying that scene is like, this is I'm good. E- no. Everyone do it. Like, yeah, quit. the way to reclaim
1: your. Sexual abuse is not to sexually abuse somebody else. Yeah, no, that's not what we are saying. Tip. But it
0: was just very clear what that scene was doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would I would look out for anyone who who doesn't empathize. Mm-hmm. But at the same time I'd also look for out for anyone calling Tywin awesome. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing Anon? <laughs>
1: okay, let's not <have> a non shame Anon's.
0: <laughs> no, I just Tywin's <sighs> just up there with Randall Rape Apologist Harley for like men really I has. have no interest in defending. <laughs> Ever,
1: he thinks he's a literal lion. Yeah, that's the only explanation.
0: Yeah, and he has a he has a nifty sex worker tunnel that he goes through.
1: <laughs> yeah, but no, that wasn't him. That was like anybody but him, because sure. everything he says should be taken at face value. Do people believe that? Quite a few people.
0: Varys dug the tunnel. <laughs>
1: yeah, so Varys dug the tunnel because he knew that one day he could say something mean about Tywin to Tyrion.
0: Yeah, well, that sounds about like the Littlefinger conspiracy. Mm-hmm. uh but yeah th- so those those were all the questions we we have time for any closing thoughts on Cersei? Um Cersei is an extremely interesting
1: literary character. Yeah. I would read her chapters any day of the week.
0: And what what I would advise you well, yes cut. N- not advise. <laughs> recommend what I, would, what I would recommend yeah is give her give her chapters a straight read through. Yeah. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised what that can do for anyone's arc. Um, but, but especially characters you might not be connecting to or, or anything like that. I think straight read-throughs, it just really allows all these things to sort of pop out at you that you might not have seen before. And it's, it's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, but hers are, hers are incredibly rewarding to reread, especially when you reread with this, uh, internalized misogyny lens.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like the R plus L equals J reread for <laughs> Ned. Kind of makes everything kind of fit into place, but thematically instead, well, the dead thing is thematically too. That's thematically too.
0: Yeah, it's almost as if like paying attention to themes of a work <laughs> of literature are yeah. a good thing to do.
1: Yeah, but like everything about like the way she thinks starts to make sense.
0: Exactly. You know, I, I certainly don't think anyone would come away like singing her praises after that. No. But it's, it's a really, really, really rich read and she's, yeah, this is why she's my third favorite character.
1: Yay. So. I don't know. I have, I know who my favorite character is, but after that I get kind of...
0: Whoever could that be? (laughs) You get, you really couldn't even name number two? It changes, I think. Yeah, that's the podcast for another day. I'll shut up. Yeah. Anyway, so that was our, uh, what were we calling this? That was the Cersei Lannister show. Yep. Uh, we're certainly going to be doing other podcasts. It, this was really fun to just talk about A Song of Ice and Fire and yeah. not talk about Game of Thrones at all. Like I everything would... was good, and we didn't have to facepalm at any point. No, I mean, a little <laughs> facepalming at that one ask that I received. <laughs> Not, not about Tywin. I'm not still piling on that. The the other one with the Robert apologism. Um, yeah. But, you know, this was really good. I think, I think I'd like to do more Song of Ice and Fire specific episodes. And, and certainly once a certain show starts back up again, that's probably more what this podcast is going to be. It's going to be just a Song of Ice and Fire specific because
1: we're going to be cleansing. We're going to be talking about uh, Game of Thrones a lot on fanmakers maybe.
0: Yeah. We're going to need a lot of cleansing. <sighs>
1: yeah. gonna- we still have our two, uh, two retrospectives left to record.
0: Yeah, and, uh, yeah, our two retro- and one retrospective left to right. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, we were thinking about doing a, um, a theory hour. So, mm-hmm. if there's any theories you do want to hear us talk about and not be really salty, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, if you have any pet theories that you're really attached to, don't send them in because we'll just be really rude about <laughs> it. No, that, that's not all. Cause sometimes we can have- sometimes we have fun with crackpots. Like my Vulture yeah. Star crackpot. Which is about Dorn. Roger <laughs> wouldn't approve of your Vulture Star Rock Should we should we stay that Should we save that for uh, the Dornish Headcanon Hour then? Yeah. Which totally- I
1: hope you're not I hope you're not going to turn Dornish Headcanon Hour into talking about Julia's fanfic hour. We might. Here's the thing. No guys. one wants to hear that, Kylie.
0: Here's the thing. We actually would love to do a Dornish Headcanon Hour, but don't know if any of you would listen to it. Like for real, give us your opinions. But also if you have any uh other episode suggestions, comment, feedback, whatever, certainly go into our Tumblr inboxes. But we also have a Gmail. It's mm-hmm. unabashed at gmail dot com. Yep. And uh yeah, I d I don't know.
1: The episode uh, is over now, Kylie. We can go. Okay. Bye everyone. Bye. So, I got my duck open, and I'm already. I'm already welcome
0: to welcome in the best book, <laughs> All right.
1: <clears throat> I thought maybe that was your real intro. No! Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs>